Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. I think the CW are just trying to win the time slot war with Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zorel. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired and a little bit late, but that's okay. It's <laughs> my fault uh, to discuss and review the Supergirl season six episode titled The Gauntlet. If if you can believe it, I was just uh, rushing home from a Bible study uh, where we talked about David and Goliath, uh, which is very relevant uh, to this week's episode of Synergy. Supergirl. Yeah. <laughs> so we will talk about that. So just so happened that this this week we were doing a, a study on the the life of King David, and just so happens uh, David and Goliath, uh, the story of uh, the nine foot uh, nine inch tall giant was this week. Uh, so we will get into that. Uh, and so I guess uh, we don't really have any news. Uh, there was some news that came out in terms of interviews, but it's a huge spoiler. And I'm already <laughs> st- and I'm already still trying to like calm myself down. We're trying about to process it. it. We're going so, through like a lot yeah. of phases and, you know, stages. I, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I just to preserve the the surprise or the frustration that might come <laughs> with that spoiler surprise and or frustration. Uh, so I to preserve that for the uh, the the blissfully uh, ignorant at this point. Um, <laughs> we won't talk about it, but there was a, a big thing that came out. If you are curious, uh, it was in EW.com and all that kind of stuff. But we're not going to talk about th- that here because it's a huge spoiler. So we are just going to get to talking about this week's episode, which was titled The Gauntlet. So here is the official description. Quote, Supergirl and Team race Nixley for control of a magic magical totem that controls courage. Supergirl and Nixley battle and each get a piece of the totem, but learn the first person to pass the test of courage will gain control of the entire thing. Meanwhile, Lena is still struggling to make sense of her newfound gift, unquote. And I like I like that they use the word newfound. Like Newfoundland. <laughs> like, oh, oh, our, our friend Veronica, she is really like pulling out all the stops now. She's she was kind of, she was kind of phoning in some of the other descriptions, <laughs> but now she's like, this one's gonna have layers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a good description this week. Um, so we uh I think I think we should start talking about uh something that's uh, relevant. Uh, to my interests, because uh, not to make this all about me, but it's it's in, of interest to me. And I, I brought some uh, some uh, friends with me, uh, one of which we're going to have on the podcast. And it's one of our friends. Uh, so we have Dr. Nicole Green. 
uh, with us tonight to, to talk about, to speak to some of the science aspects of this episode. And I also brought some, I brought a, a museum friend of mine uh, via a video clip that we'll Ooh. play uh, to give a uh, perspective on the museums. I also have an email uh, from uh, the director of the Alabama Museum of Natural History, who actually uh, <laughs> taught taught me something. Uh, and I, I couldn't bring it with me, but I also heard uh, from uh, one of my other museum colleagues who, who just sent me a voice message. Why is there a lady with an iguana in the museum? Uh, so that yes. was yes. <laughs> so, so that that was uh, Lindsay's uh, question to me after I, I made them all watch the episode uh, to, <laughs> to give me their perspectives. Um, so we are going to talk about some of the museum things. I think right up front because mm. you know I uh, I work in museums in my my uh, my my day to day job uh, outside of Supergirl Radio. I am uh, housed in museums, so I was very uh, I mean they've been. They've had museums on the show before, uh, but this one had uh, quite a bit uh, of time in the museum with an artifact, actually. Uh, so Morgan and uh, Nicole, I guess we'll start with Morgan. So what did you think about uh, the search for the the totem of, of cura- uh, Curage? I almost said I, w- I wanted I wanted to say uh, curation, uh, but it came out at the same time as Courage. Uh, so they, they like were looking Keurig, like the coffee maker. <laughs> uh, that, but that's a different artifact in the future. Uh, they'll have artifacts of curing coffee makers. Um, but uh, Morgan, what did you think about their their search for the totem? of courage um i you know what we've gotten to the the mcguffin portion of the <laughs> season uh on uh i said this i think the last time or the, the time before that that on legends we call this like the rubik's cube like they're searching for the different parts of the rubik's cube and last season on legends they didn't do it so i guess it kind of like transferred over to supergirl <laughs> um and as as a you know a start to their to their search for the rubik's cube i think that this was a a solid first outing. I think it's kind of like a, I'm assuming this is like a template of how these episodes are going to go. Like they get the thing, but there's like a test involved and it, and somehow involves like whatever attribute that is being, um, that is associated with the, um, with the, what are they called? Totems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause they're all the, I, I'm I'm getting totem and paragon mixed in my head because they're basically <laughs> because the same it's thing. The same thing. I'm still mad about it. Yeah. So I'm gonna let that go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totems, yeah. Um, which again, there was a whole season of legends that was like kind of devoted to totems, but it's okay. That's just they're just trying to they're trying to throw me off, and you know what? It can't be done, super girl. It cannot be done. So, <laughs> they're all called the same thing as the paragons. It's like totems from legends. It's fine. I'm still here. I'm still <laughs> sort of vaguely following what. Happening, yeah. I'm, like the 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 uh, the MacGuffin plot is a little bit like um, word salad to me at the moment. It's just like um, somebody threw some of those magnets onto a fridge, and it's like, and then we have to find the courage totem at the museum. It's like okay. <laughs> sure there's an iguana there it turns into a dragon none of that makes sense but all right all right uh so i mean the idea of like going through a challenge um is kind of fun because it gives like the episodes some setup and i feel like or some structure i feel like these episodes have been all over the place recently like we had last week was kind of that like powerful emotional episode with kelly and but the week before that there was a cat playing uh with a like lasers and heat vision lasers so i mean this one to me was was it was again kind of like when we talked the last time about the tonal swings in the season it's like again we've swung to the wacky 
the wacky part of the of the season and like it's just been kind of up and down is in terms of that but honestly i kind of like the wacky stuff so i didn't hate it <laughs> i still don't understand like when they get all the totems together and then somebody she and then she gets ultimate power she becomes captain planet she yeah <laughs> yes with their powers combined um <laughs> I also I, like. I just want to be the first person to call this storyline very Harry Potterish. Uh, it I is. Like, I know it's common. I just want it to be the first one through that game. <laughs> they had to. They had to mentors. They basically have horcruxes, and at yeah. the end of the episode, the the emotional. Uh, I, I don't know would that be like a psychic connection between Supergirl and Nixley. That's straight out. I was, I was, I was waiting for like Supergirl to get like a lightning bolt scar on her forehead. And be like, oh, <laughs> and, well, they did talk about uh, Project Bolt. <laughs> yeah, that's in, true. In this episode, uh, so, so we're well, pretty close. <laughs> so it's really, it's very, very close. Somebody really loves Harry Potter. I keep waiting for Alex or Kara to mention. Like, hey, this sort of is like Harry Potter because they love <laughs> Harry Potter. They've they talked about Harry Potter on the show before. I feel like somebody uh, so, should have made this connection and been like, hey, you know what? We're going to do this, so we might as well underline it. Like, we all know what's happening. <laughs> this is Harry Potter. We've become Harry Potter. And, and now they have they a had witch the in mentors the, early witch in the group. Yeah, that's yes. true. That's true. And and if this means that Lena gets to go to Hogwarts, <laughs> let me say that I'm on board. If like Hagrid comes through and is like, you're a wizard, Lena. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. She's already got the accent for it creeping out every every other scene. So yeah, she, she's ready to go. Just she's put ready. some put some robes on her. Give her a wand. Never ever ever walk through the uh, the <laughs> Scottish uh, wilderness. Yes. Le- Le- Lena's a Slytherin, right? Like, I think that's probably undisputed yeah, she, she's ambitious or, yeah. or a ravenclaw i don't oh, know she could oh, could be yes could i have be. no yeah. i have no skin in this game but i feel like that's a thing <laughs> that people are like you're an academic therefore you have to be a ravenclaw and that it always spawns a lot of debate and i personally don't care that much but i've, I've been party to many of these conversations <laughs> how dare you have not spent a lot of mental energy on this <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I I do agree with you, Morgan. I think this is going to be the the template for how they're going to do the rest of the. I guess every episode from now on is going to be dedicated to a search for the now totem. How, how many totems were there? Oh, geez, do we have to go back and list Seven? those? Out? Oh. Earth, wind, fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was there was love, and there's, there's love. courage, uh, dream, something or other. Oh well, yeah, dreams was one of them. Uh, let me look that up. I have it in honor my, in my honor. Google Docs. I think honor. Yeah, I think truth? one, two, three, truth? four, five, truth? six. Yeah. So seven: truth, destiny, love, dreams, hope, humanity, and courage. Now, how many episodes do we have left? And how? So there are seven of this, them, right? This was thirteen. So that's gonna line oh. up for probably Uh-oh. one each episode. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's a uh, problem. Do you do you think we're gonna end on hope? I feel like. Uh, I mean, what other one are we going to end on? <laughs> what what other one is going to allow her to give that speech on television? I think, I think we know where we're ending. Can't end a Supergirl TV show without uh, an episode just 
called hope? What if it's just hope? What if, the- what if it, it ends on dreams and it turns out that the whole series was just a dream <gasps> that Dreamer oh, had? I like, would be so mad. Else, no. Elsewhere it. <laughs> no. Although, I don't know. Would I be so mad? Maybe I would. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, it was maybe all I would, a dream, Rebecca. Maybe, maybe I'd be like, oh, we can start over. We can, <laughs> we can start fresh now. Maybe this whole podcast was just all a dream. <laughs> what if we are just in some simulation? Simu- simu- uh, with it's the podcast, and we just we wake up every morning. We think we do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, just strange. More uh, questioning of reality is what you're creating here for yeah, me. Exactly. I'm already struggling <laughs> with the religion and the magic and the science. I don't, I don't need, I don't need simulations. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Nicole, what did you think about uh, the search for the totem? Because it did involve. Uh, science, uh, scientists, um, science. Uh, uh, <laughs> inventions, and uh, people in lab coats. Uh, what What was your take on this? Yeah, I mean, overall, I enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying the the magic storyline with the imps. I, I just want to put that out there before I say anything negative about magic. <laughs> um, I think because they hit us hard up front with, with Vita and the hologram where Lena brought up, <laughs> she was like, I think there's a scientific explanation to what's happening to me. I just need to find it. Um, So I was like, I'm going to put that to the side and come back to that later. But (laughs) when everybody else was questioning, watching the museum sequence, I was sitting there going, I think this is an institute. This is a research institute, not a museum. That's not how this works. And so I spent most of my time doing that. But I did really enjoy the opening with um, Dr. Lar, where she got like in 1990s style grant rejection in an envelope (laughs) and she like dramatically crumpled it up. And I was like, that seems, that seems very authentic. That's something that all of us have done or like angrily slammed a keyboard because we live in a tech, like in an age where we get those by electronic distribution now 2021 it would have been i think they could have tied it to the harry potter theme if an owl owl had dropped off that letter (laughs) yes why not why not um that feels like more fun than than the way we're normally rejected um but i thought it was funny that she was just like this is frank's fault and then we got away and we didn't see frank for a while Um, (laughs) amazing but but yeah and then i think I was on the same wavelength as Rebecca. We talked about this a little bit on Twitter of like, what is this exhibit? This is also not a science exhibit. If you go look up like the science and industry museum in Chicago, which is incredible, would recommend to everybody. If you have been, you're not, it's like a NASA exhibit. It's like, uh, go into the cell, like microscopic level. Like it's, it's not, let's look at biblical relics because (laughs) that's not the place for that. Well, I did speak uh, to my friend Lindsay, who is an archaeologist by trade, and uh, she now works at uh, Moundville Archaeological Park. And uh, she was telling me, because I was asking her about that, what, mm-hmm. what do you think about David's slingshot? And we're going to get to that. We're going to we're going to get to that. Um, but uh, I was asking her about that, about the exhibit and the type of museum, because it was the Museum of Science and Technology. Mm-hmm. Well, uh in archaeology, a, a weapon would be considered technology, um, especially in those ancient days. Uh, so that's that's sort of how you can. I don't think the show, the people who wrote this episode, probably went that deep with it, but uh, but you could justify it. I think. Okay, I did yeah, also think that yeah. would be a kind of technology back then. Yeah, like tools. A uh, focus <laughs> yeah. on the evolution yeah. of tools. Yeah. 
Although I think it was supposed to be like ancient Egypt was the exhibit. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Um, so uh, I don't know how ancient Egypt really could tie into the museum of science and technology. I guess the, the, the technology part would be in there uh, with the <laughs> slingshot, but yeah. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. You bring up the museums, Nicole, uh, because I did reach out to, uh, I'm, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to uh, call them for now our museum consultants. Cause we have, legal consultants. <laughs> we have our science consultant with us. And uh, so I, I do have some museum friends who could be considered uh, museum consultants. So I asked a few of my colleagues to uh, watch the episode and give me some feedback on it. And one of them, my friend Allie, uh, who is great. Allie is the best. Uh, she recorded a short little video uh, for me. Uh, it's a couple of minutes long, but um, she explained some of her thoughts uh, as she watched the episode and she'll explain that she doesn't watch the show very much. So she had a lot of questions outside of the museum stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll hear from Allie and then we'll come back and uh, I have more museum. Th this is going to be a very museum heavy episode mixed I in with it. some science. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll get to Allie and we'll come back. Hi, my name's Allie and I used to work in a museum for a few years and Rebecca asked me to watch the most recent episode of Supergirl to check out the museum aspects of the episode. Um, I wore my special earrings for this video. See, look, dinosaurs, robots, all sorts of museum good stuff. I will say this is maybe only my second, maybe third episode of Supergirl that I'd ever seen. So initially a lot of my comments had to deal with the show itself, primarily like, whoa, that is the green person. Um, it's probably the first thought that I had, but as far as the museum stuff goes, there wasn't a ton of scenes in the museum, but the ones that were there, um, I, I guess the first thing I thought was the artifact itself, um, it, the slingshot, it just made me wonder how, like what temperature and like climate con or environmental controls they used, uh, to keep that if it were, let's say, the wooden slingshot that they say was used in the David and Goliath story. Um, I was just curious as to like what environmental controls they had in the pillar cases that they were using. The second thing I thought was that there were like a lot of people in lab coats, and I don't know that I have ever seen that many people in lab coats in, well, the museum that I worked in, but also like any museum that I had visited before and seen even behind the scenes stuff for. So it kind of made me wonder if maybe I was like working in the wrong museum. Just kidding. I wasn't, but, um, lab coats are cool, I guess is really what it came down to. It seemed to me like it was a big, maybe like research firm first with like, um, uh, with maybe public viewing spaces. Um, but then they had all those artifacts so there has been collections, but I don't know. I didn't quite understand. Um, the other thing that I thought was, wow, it must be really nice to have a coffee shop in your museum. That's pretty cool. I know that some places have coffee shops, but it was like a really nice coffee shop and that was kind of nifty. And then I think one of the bigger questions that I had was like, why does that woman have an iguana on the floor for the museum? I realized it played a role later in the episode, but... But, like, first off, why does that lady have an iguana? Pretty big question. Um, and as far as the museum, like, exhibit itself goes, um, I did like the, the way that they 
had like the little pedestal cases and there were a couple of pedestal cases. I liked that as far as like an exhibit um, type because it was nice. People could walk all the way around them. I enjoyed that. They had eight minutes of a shift change to, um, you know, steal the artifact was interesting to me too. Um, but again, maybe it was just, I haven't been exposed to museums, um, where shift chains are so precise that that, honestly, that could be it. But I think my biggest takeaway was, um, that it was a lot of fun and a great episode. And I have more questions coming out of it than I had going in, which I think is probably the way that it should be. But most of the questions I have are about the Supergirl universe. So I think that's just a sign that I need to listen to this podcast a little bit more so I can find out more things. All right. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Well, thank you, Allie Sorley, for uh, being part of Supergirl Radio and submitting that video uh, response and a quick little review from a museum professional. Uh, there are a couple of things I wanted to respond to in that video. So she mentioned the shift change uh, situation. Uh, this is new to me because for 14 years I worked in uh, corporate, the corporate world. And so we did have tight shift changes like that where if 2.30 your shift was over, you would leave and you'd go home. Uh, in academia, which is uh, the, the museums that, that we work in, uh, we're part of a, a university system. Uh, it's it's pretty loosey-goosey. Like you, you, you can leave early if you want to. You can come in late if you want to. Academia is a completely different world. So I guess it would depend if the museum was part of a university system in National City uh, that would determine how shifts were done. Also, the iguana situation. (laughs) Um, So at the Museum of Natural History, we have a bug room where there are live insects uh, that people uh, use for research and education. Um, And from what I understand, uh, you have to have a permit for that kind of thing. You can't just have uh, insects roaming around the museum. Even with our live beehive, it's contained uh, so that the bees aren't just flying around the museum. Oh, Uh, God. That would be bad. Uh, But (laughs) so so for a lady to just be walking around with a live iguana just in her arms without it being in a case or something. Maybe it's uh, just her friend. I guess it was a little weird. Uh, everyone in uh, my museum circle clocked that pretty fast. Like, why? <laughs> also, why was the iguana even relevant? This was an exhibit about ancient Egypt, and it, I just you know, like the completely unexplained nature of the iguana. <laughs> like, why does the iguana exist? Where did the iguana come from? Why is he there? We may never know. We we will <laughs> never know. Uh, so maybe that's just a that's the culture at the Museum of Science and Technology. Bring your iguana if you want to. Uh, it's like when people can bring their dogs into a restaurant. You could just bring your your uh, uh, your uh, iguanas in. Um, also, just really quickly uh, before I get to some of well, I guess Nicole. Um, uh, do you have any thoughts? Because uh, I, I think uh, Allie mentioned a lot of lab coats and yeah. uh, things like that. So what, what what are your thoughts on a lot of lab coats in the museums? I want to say one thing about the iguana before we move on. Oh, yeah, um, please. Because <laughs> I feel like... talk about the iguana. <laughs> yeah, why not? I feel I'm not going to actually talk about the iguana. I want to talk about writing because I feel like this is what's bothered me some about this season is that they clearly were like, we want to have a dragon fighting scene. And so then they have to like, they're trying to backtrack to make that a reasonable thing to have happen, except it's not, which is how (laughs) we end up with a woman carrying around an iguana openly 
against animal protocols in the middle of a like a natural history exhibit. I have to say, not sure has a good theory in the comments, and it's that actually iguanas <laughs> get in free on Tuesdays. And I think <laughs> maybe that's something that the museum is doing to like try to get more people. They're like, you know, those iguana people, they're gonna flock in here <laughs> if we let old Herbert come in for free. Like, I don't yes. know. <laughs> it's a great promotion. It works. I go. I go yeah. visit. Um, I guess on lab coats, I'll say that I was kind of laughing this week because I knew it was going to be probably a science heavy week. And it just so happens that I've been doing for the last week, all of my safety training updating, which is an exciting thing that happens every year and also every three years for certain things. And I had to find my lab coat so that I did not get in trouble (laughs) during our, uh, during our review because you need it for like one thing that we do in the lab. So like we don't wear lab coats very often. Oh, interesting. um, Because most of the things that we work with are like basically either soaps or solutions that are like saline to keep tissue alive. So like, it's not actually required much for us, but every time they go to take a picture for the university, you bet they're like, um, excuse me, could you, could you actually, um, put on a lab coat so people know you're a scientist? And I was like, oh, is, is that how it works? <laughs> Don't tell the field biologist out in the prairie or anything. Um, they are not wearing lab coats. They're like, these are Grey's Anatomy rules. And if you don't <laughs> have the lab coats on, how will we know? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, that's a lot of lab coats. I mean, they were very nice. It seemed like they were probably like monogrammed and like possibly tailored for them like I feel like you would go to the store when you got there and you got like your three lab coats um that's what (laughs) happens at fancy institutes but not at a public institution we get like a white coat that's like stained with weird solutions but a little bit on the sleeves it's been in a drawer for a while um but but yeah we can talk about this later but it did make me laugh that there was like all of this PPE and then I was going through this in my lab this week and then I was like Lena's going to do something ridiculous and then she didn't she was like fully in lab appropriate clothing the whole episode <laughs> what a letdown <laughs> you know what? She's a legend. She zigs when you think she's going to zag. And that's, and that's really, that's really the essence of boardroom or ballroom. I think it's like, you can I never know. pin her down. I have yeah, no well, idea. What's yeah, we'll, going have, on. we'll have more feedback uh, about Lena's uh, new, new wardrobe cho- choices uh, that good, she's good. experiencing now that she's poor. <laughs> uh, so that's a, uh, that's a new thing for Lena. I just wanted to get to a uh, rogue artist's comment real quick as a past security guard at the university museum. We had very strict shift changes as a craftsperson. Yeah. It's not a, sh- a strict change. That's interesting. It probably depends on each museum and the, the culture there. Uh, but uh, the the acad- the world of academia is such a different uh, thing that I've experienced in my life. So that was kind of tough to get used to. I was like, you could just leave whenever you want to. Like, that's yeah. OK. Oh, OK. <laughs> OK, cool. All right. Um, so uh, those are the benefits, I guess, of working in academia. Um, and if you all will humor me, because uh, I think maybe this will speak to something that uh, that Nicole will uh, be interested in. So. I also reached out to uh, Dr. John Friel, who's the director of the Alabama Museum of Natural History, and he gave me some comments. Uh, The first one is that uh, uh, he says, I quote, I found the statement that the museum's grants department canceled funding odd as most grants to museum staff uh, are from external funding agencies, not for within museums themselves. So museums, if people don't know, uh, uh, have to apply for grants to, to get money to fund things like exhibits. So that stuck out to him. I don't know, Nicole, is that something that you, that you ever deal with, with grants and things like that? 
oh, all you do as a scientist after you get out of grad school essentially is worry about funding um, <laughs> and stress about that and beg people for money. So yeah, we're, I would say most of the science, like all the labs that I've worked in are heavily externally funded by um, organizations like the National Institutes of Health or the National Science Foundation. Um, occasionally there'll be like a private, uh, like more of like a charitable foundation, like American uh, Cancer Society or American Heart Association that will fund the kind of research we do. So yeah, we're, we're bound by the same rules of like, you have to apply. There's a, a extensive review process. Then you get not a physical letter, but some notification <laughs> that you may or may not receive funding. Um, and then there's a waiting period until you get that. And then it's usually doled out over several years, depending on the, the kind of grant. Yeah, so so Dr. Friel uh, clocked that uh, pretty quickly. He also uh, wrote, uh, quote, everyone was wearing lab coats in the museum's back of house scenes. It looked more like an R&D, a research and development department at a corporation rather than a museum research department. So I think that, uh, Nicole, uh, you brought that up earlier with the uh, the institution uh, angle. So uh, that was something that he mentioned. Um, he also wrote, quote, in the scene where the artifact was stolen, there were more, there was more security staff responding than I have ever seen in a public museum space. <laughs> <laughs> so they did, they did respond to uh, Nixley's intrusion and uh, theft there. And then he ends with something that uh, was very eye-opening for me. Uh, and we'll get into this really quickly. We won't spend a ton of time on this, but I feel like it's very important and we should get into it. Um, he writes, quote, finally, did you catch the claim that the slingshot was the one David used to slay Goliath? In the biblical story, David uses a sling, not a sling shot, unquote. And Dr. Friel is 100 percent. The uh, the actual biblical narrative does not say slingshot. It says sling. And um, I've been going to churches my entire life. And I will not say how old I am to give that away because I'm a very old lady now. But uh, no one has ever explained that to me. And I've always just in my mind uh, have envisioned a slingshot. I, I imagine it's because of some interpretation or adaptation that I've seen or a, a drawing or an illustration or something like yeah, that. Like a little boop. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a common misperception uh, and one that I had. And so when Dr. Friel mentioned that, uh, I was like, uh, is there a difference? Uh, so I actually did look it up. And so there are slingshots, but there are also things called shepherd slings. And uh, so I'll show you uh, the difference here. So the uh, bottom image is the David's uh, slingshot on the show. And the top, top two images are actual slings. So these are the shepherd slings. So you would put the stone in the little pouch there and you would sort of like uh, you would, you know, kind of whip it around your head or on your, on, on your side, you know, to gain momentum. Some people do this thing. I watched all these like tutorials on shepherd slings to prepare for this episode because <laughs> I was so interested in how this works now. And some people will do this, what they call a figure eight thing where they'll gain mm -hmm. momentum to, to fling the rock. And it actually is really powerful. It can, the, it can break the speed of sound and you can hear like the little thing crack and oh. um, it, it can, it can mess you up. And so it, it actually makes a lot of sense that David would have used that to uh, slay uh, lions and bears. Like it talks about in the scripture when he's out with the sheep um, and why he was pretty confident that he could take down a nine foot, a nine inch uh, <laughs> giant uh, because he'd been messing with bears and lions. Um, but uh, I thought that was very interesting that uh, the shepherd sling is a very ancient weapon that I think is still used in parts of the world um, today. So the show 
uh, is not to, not that I would uh, uh, assume that it should be uh, biblically, biblically <laughs> accurate because, uh, you know, uh, I would not uh, I would not think that those people would uh, really even attempt to be accurate to the biblical uh, narrative. But I just thought that was interesting. Also worth noting, I have just so happens uh, been in a small group Bible study uh, studying the life of King David and uh my my Bible study. This is this is the booklet. I just want to show people. I'll go full screen so you can see it. Uh, there's a sling shot on here. So even in my <laughs> church, uh, I'm calling my church out because mm -hmm. we need to fix this. We need to correct this uh, notion and teach it correctly. Uh, even here in this uh, in this in this study is a slingshot and not a shepherd's sling. So if you are like me and you uh, were under the impression. Uh, that it was a slingshot, like the show. Prob probably you're probably under that impression because things like uh, Supergirl have mm. have have portrayed it as a slingshot. Uh, it's it's not. It's a shepherd sling. So I have uh, clips, uh, video links in the video description as well. I'll put it in the audio show notes for the audio podcast if you want to see. Uh, people sling those things around. I mean, they can get they can get pretty accurate uh, if they practice long enough. Um, so it's a uh, it's pretty interesting. So if you actually read the story of uh, David and Goliath in uh, the biblical uh, text, it does say sling. It doesn't say slingshot. So I just wanted to point that out and make sure everybody knew the correct usage of it. What I like is that we now have like a fun fact to like pull out at parties. Like if somebody's like, <laughs> oh, you know the story about David and Goliath and we're like, excuse me, I just wanted to correct you that like it wasn't a, it wasn't a slingshot. It was a sling. And hold on, let me tell you all about the shepherd's sling. And listen, I guarantee you that you were going to be the most popular person at that party. <laughs> People are going to flock to hear you explain the difference between the slingshot and the shepherd's sling. I guarantee it. <laughs> I think it's interesting. And I it just want to make sure everybody actually. knew. Um, I want to look up those videos of the people like whipping it over their heads and like yeah. throwing it out. I don't think I would ever try it because I would hurt myself. Oh, that, was, um, that sounds dangerous. That sounds yeah. like a thing that I would like very much injure myself on. But it it is a weapon. It could be used to really uh, knock people out or knock animals out if you were fighting, you know, kind of defending yourself against an animal. I also thought it was interesting. Uh, the exhibit sign on the artifact uh, read, uh, uh, let's see, it said, quote, referenced in the first book of Samuel 1734 through 36. And I actually went in there. It is, it is, and this is a nitpick thing for me. Uh, it is, it is chapter 17 of First uh, Samuel, but uh, it, in those verses, I don't think it uh, references the sling at all. This, the sling is mentioned a couple of times in other verses, but not in the verses that they reference on the nope. exhibit <laughs> sign. Uh, so uh, that close. seemed, that seems strange to me. If you are going to put a reference on the artifact, you might want to reference the actual verses in which the artifact was referenced. But it's uh, also that they were like so close to getting the right thing, but then so yet so far away. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was very strange to me. So I learned quite oh, a bit. that extra mile you know i learned i learned quite a bit this week thank you supergirl tv series for getting it wrong so that i could then learn the correct thing and i made sure that my bible study knew the correct uh, <laughs> the, the correct difference between slingshot and uh shepherd sling so i just wanted to make sure that was corrected on the record here as well i 
feel like I'm learning a lot from this particular podcast episode. Like, they're going to be like, Morgan, what was that episode about? I'm like, hold on. I've got grant funding things to tell you. I got, I got lab coat things to tell you. I got iguana things to tell you. And don't even get me started on the slingshot. Like, like, what happened in the plot? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. I do remember the slingshot, though. So uh, so that was uh, quite interesting with that uh, specific artifact. So um, I am curious, uh, Dr. Nicole, uh, uh, what did you think about Beatrice Lar, Dr. Lar? Because I was <laughs> I was personally a little offended that they had a character with the last name Lar on the Supergirl TV series, and it was not <laughs> Leslie Lar. How dare I'm, they? I am so offended <laughs> by that. But I am curious about uh, your thoughts on uh, Dr. Lar as a scientist and what uh, what she was doing in the episode. Yeah, I, I think this is another one of those like it was so close, but not what we wanted. This is this is what happened with with her. Um, I think her her temperament around uh, getting bad news as a scientist was pretty spot on. I think that's pretty <laughs> classic that you like look around and you see someone like throwing something down a little angrily because something didn't work. Um, we're just a bunch of like frustrated, on edge people, especially nowadays. Um, I thought it was great that they they made her her background was like physics and electrical engineering. I think. Um, if I'm remembering from that very brief screenshot I saw. So it was, I thought it was nice that they went out of the way to um, put her in a discipline that is an area where women are traditionally underrepresented. I don't know if anybody caught that or cared about it, but physics and, and engineering is an area where women still are, are um, have fairly low representation. So I liked that. Um, I thought she did a lot of questionable scientific things after she was enchanted by the, the totem or had that fifth dimensional energy surge. Um, I loved the fist fight at the coffee place. That was really fun. <laughs> so um, it was, this is, Ooh, this is another really sexy science topic we can talk about intellectual property. I was tweeting about this oh, during yeah. the episode. Um, <laughs> hey, hey. Um, because the, the whole premise was that it seemed like Frank had backed out of the project because it was too dangerous. And so um, that, that was in some way connected to the funding getting stripped by the museum, I, if I'm remembering right. So she goes to like confront Frank at the coffee shop. And he is supposedly just in his bag, unsecured, carrying a hard drive that she's just going to take from him. <laughs> and this is supposed to contain... Um, these, these really highly sensitive, dangerous plans for the, for this, um, I don't remember something ionizer, whatever it is, the thing that harnessed lightning. Um, and I just want to say that again, like we have really strict rules around it, especially if it's a government entity. Well, it, and it might even be more so with a, with a private corporation. If you have like a, an industry, uh, collaboration because they like really invest in that and they own everything. So like, if you're a scientist, you work somewhere, the intellectual property is owned in part by the university. And like, in part, I mean, like mostly owned by whoever you work for. Um, and we have really serious rules about like, especially if it's like government tax funded research, it has to be on a secure server. You have to constantly update it. Um, or as my PI likes to tell us, we're defrauding the government. So um, they take us really seriously. So you couldn't just have like a a hard drive with only that data on it walking around. That's, that's not how it would, would exist. So I was like, again, it felt like you wanted to have a coffee, like a fist fight in a coffee house with a bunch of scientists, which was fun, <laughs> but the way you got there made no sense. So 
Yeah, you can't just uh, destroy the stuff on the hard drive related to a project that was going. Like, you can't, you just can't do that. Uh, yeah, so uh, I just want to mention in the chat, uh, people were referencing the name of Dr. Lar. Uh, Lara says the character was named after Bert Lar, the cowardly lion from uh, mm-hmm. The oh. Wizard of Oz. And uh, Electra WWF uh, men- points out the uh, fun fact that Dr. Lar was played by Jesse Rath's r- real life wife. So uh, nice. she got to get in there and uh, uh, play around just just as much as Jesse does. So that was kind of cool for Dr. Lar. Uh, so, yeah, um, Morgan, did you have any thoughts about Dr. Lar and some of the uh, sciencey things going on in the episode? I mean, I appreciated that she immediately just blamed Frank. Like, yes, it was <laughs> Frank's fault. Frank was doing this. Uh, no, I, I thought that to, to Nicole's point, yeah, they had an idea of a scene that they wanted. It's going to be a brawl in a coffee shop, with some scientists, and there was going to be an iguana. Why? Don't know. And he was going to become like a dragon and he was going to breathe fire. And they said, okay, how do we get to that? And somebody was just like, oh, I don't know. The scientists in the museum were doing, you know, this. And there was an exhibit and the iguana was there because science and stuff. And everybody was like, solid. Solid. I love Nailed it. it. I love it. Nailed uh, it. Conceptualized it. You brought me there. You brought me to that scene. Uh, and then you're in the scene. You're like, why is there an iguana? Um, but I did like her. Her energy was like truly chaotic. Like I don't yeah. know. Like things were things were just not going right for her. And then when she got that courage, like she was like, listen. Listen, I'm going to give you the what for. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And like, I kind of appreciated that. She was like, listen, I'm holding a lot of stuff inside about like how you just like gave up on this very dangerous project. <laughs> and uh, and somehow that lost us our funding. <laughs> Ever, because, you know, because. They're gonna drop out once Frank is out because everybody knows that Frank is the real is the real party. Like everybody wants in on whatever Frank is doing. And so once he was like, no, dude, this is gonna like blow up the city, they were like, Oh, well, you know what? If Frank's not gonna be there, Frank always brings the best wine coolers to the party. <laughs> Frank's always got the best tidbits about slingshots. I'm not, you know, we're not funding anymore. So I'm glad that she stood up to Frank, who I imagine is like, you know, like the popular kid in the museum. (laughs) Everybody wants to do what Frank is doing. That's how he gets the funding so easily. And I'm glad that she stood up to him. I'm less glad that she, you know, um, did all the stuff with the lightning that almost burnt down. She she did try to harness lightning. But but listen, she had an idea. And she was, cor- and she believed in herself, and she had <laughs> she the did. courage of her convictions, and it did work. Correct, and it worked too well. Too well. <laughs> Frank would say too well, probably. <laughs> but she, would she? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so there was a a lot that Supergirl and the Super Friends had to stop in this episode. And uh, I guess one of the things that they had to see that we have a a comment in the chat. Um, Anthony says, Kelly bouncing electricity off of a metal shield deserves some science discussion. Oh, uh, Dr. Nicole Green, do you have any thoughts about uh, the use of the shield? I mean, it's a great point. There's no reason that Kelly should be alive after that. I'm glad she is. Maybe we're also going to find out that Kelly is a witch and has magic, and that's why she can survive seemingly deadly blows by electricity. I don't know anymore what's going on on the show. So I'm just going to say we learned that off camera, 
and Kelly is that's she knew she was going to be safe. And so it just played out then on screen and we just aren't allowed to question it. Yeah. Uh, Claudia points out Kelly's shield is made out of vibranium. Ooh. So uh, I don't know. What, do, so you, do, do I have think to ask that, uh, that would work. Is vibranium. That's not a real element, right? A DC thing. <laughs> I don't, I don't, isn't, I isn't don't know. is that the element from Black Panther? Am I? <laughs> yeah, right? That's right? A, a Wakandan I, I, element. It's a Wakandan element. So it's not the right, that's so, not so Claudia is just taking a guess here, I guess. Like just pulling out something I, from another universe. By the way, so, when, when you Google vibranium, it asks you if you want to Google vibranium versus adamantium. So I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> All gotcha. right, so uh, so even with uh, Claudia's uh, uh, guesstimation there, uh, we still don't know uh, why why the shield, the uh, Guardian Shield, would work like that. Hegelblast uh, uh, H- oh, yeah. uh, has a good uh, point in there. Maybe Nth Metal. Okay. Uh, Bra- Brainy did help with uh, her Guardian look, so maybe he employed some Nth Metal because he knew about that from his, I think, Legion of Superheroes uh experience so maybe he knew about nth metal and used that for the shield uh but yeah i don't think that was ever explained why <laughs> kelly could do that with the shield so uh she's that just must be really good at being guardian you guys off screen supergirl is such a good show that it just great that show. all the details and all the facts uh but we don't know them um, and so, uh, so one of the other things they had to stop Dr. Lar and the lightning harnessing, uh, but then also, uh, they had to stop Nixley, who was also using a, uh, a slingshot, a, a, an incorrect artifact, an inaccurate artifact, uh, but half of the uh, slingshot that they say David used to slay Goliath, even though that's not biblically accurate, but I'm going to get over it. Um, but uh, Nixley had half of the slingshot and she experienced the gauntlets just like Supergirl did. Uh, so Morgan, what did you think about the uh, the venturing into the gauntlet space and seeing them uh, sort of run the gauntlet uh, to to figure out who they were, were and to face the times when they lacked courage. I liked it because one of the things that they did was like when they both had the the two uh, ends and they were talking to uh, Vita, the dumb Kryptonian witch. Uh, she who- was the dumb one. Allura said <laughs> she was not very smart. And they had Lena learning from the dumbest Kryptonian witch. That can't go well. <laughs> I hope that she comes back and that she does some truly, truly dumb stuff. Uh, <laughs> and that like that all of Lena's magic is just like a little bit off because she's learning it from <laughs> that's the, not the a dumbest, good it's not a good mentor not a good the dumbest mentor. kryptonian witch um but like but Vito is like oh you're gonna have to like go deep into yourself and like face your biggest fears and i was like are you are you are you saying that we're gonna have some character stuff are you threatening me with a what? good time uh, <laughs> i was like not this show not on this show uh so i did appreciate that like the uh the crux of the episode was that they had to go and like face a traumatic moment or like a big moment from their past and like do over uh to uh to like face their fears or like be courageous in a moment that they weren't courageous before and like how that would teach us different things about the character now i think we learned more about nixley than we did about kara surprise surprise uh, <laughs> it's just called supergirl um <laughs> but i mean we learned that um 
that Nixley, even though, you know, in her tellings in the Phantom Zone, she was like, I hate, you know, I hate my 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 dad and I hate my brother. I'm going to kill them both. Like when she went back to that moment, she was like, I can't kill my brother because I love my brother. And I thought that that was an interesting twist on her character that we see her as like somebody who was so deeply betrayed because of the love that she felt for her brother and that it was by being vulnerable and, and telling him what he had done to her and how that had hurt her. That's how she had her courageous moment. Also, I liked seeing the um, fifth dimensional like realm. First off, her outfit was fire. Uh, I was yes. like, Nixley, Nixley, you're serving me all the looks and I'm <laughs> loving it. I don't, what that cape is. Is it functional? Is it, it's attached to your necklace. I like it. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> and then the, the background was just kind of like, it looked like it was painted. And then there was just like a really obviously fake tree in the background and I like that vibe too it's kind of like they went into a like a, a restaurant like a themed restaurant in Walt Disney World uh, <laughs> and that gave me good vibes I was like I want to know more about these imps like what's their deal <laughs> um, but the the car stuff I was like a little bit more confused with because I I wanted some closure and uh, like it felt so open-ended the way that they left her story Again, surprise, surprise, because uh, we got a, a nice arc for Nixley, you know, our villain. Um, but our hero, I don't, what did it, what did that slingshot want her to do? And at the end of the episode, we still don't really know. Like, I think it was, you know, she made the decision that she made, which is that she needed her team back and she needed the doctor to not be so uh, hyped up on courage and hating Frank uh, <laughs> to help turn off that machine. Like, you're like, I guess we can't incinerate national city. Um, I feel like she could have done that like swirly thing by herself. She is Supergirl, but you know, that's the nature of the show. Uh, but, but what was, what was the courage test that she failed? It, it they show her um, stop to save a guy. And uh, I guess in the original, she heard somebody ask for help, but she was so freaked out about saving the plane that she just kept going, but that wasn't it. And so we see her go back and then fail a second time, but we don't even see what that failure was that time. She, she just kind of went around national city. I assume she went around like helping other people, I guess oh, that was not clear in any way. It was just it light. Was, <laughs> it was, it was not clear, but I assume she was doing the same thing where she was like going around and helping Smart. more people. That makes um, sense. But I was like, what should she do? Why is this scene over? How did she fail? Uh, and I just like, I guess if you like open that that sort of box of like, okay, well, here's a, a test and there's a right answer and there's wrong answers. It would be great to know at the end of the episode what the right answer was, but it will I, I will we ever know? Do you have a theory? I I don't know. I don't do you, know. I do you like, think she has to be vulnerable like Nixley did? I think so. I think that's probably where they were going with it because just saving somebody is like a thing that she does all the time. Like even Lena points it out in that couch scene. She was like, you know, you you save people all the time. Like you're very courageous. And so I think it has to do with like emotional 
uh, courage or emotional vulnerability, kind of like Jean had in the whole episode, which is, which was honestly my favorite part of the whole episode. Like if we can, if we can keep emotionally supportive and, uh, and present Jean. Really encouraging to everyone. Just really proud of everybody's side. I like when he was trying to talk to the dragon, he was like, you're doing a great job being a dragon. Let's just (laughs) take it down a notch. And then, and then like, and that scene where she has to decide about what she's going to do, if she's going to like take the test again, or if she's going to, you know, give up the peace and she looks around and like the doctor is like beating on Jean and he's like you're doing great <laughs> <laughs> express those emotions I like you better than Frank too like I just I, ju- I don't know I just like emotionally uh, em- emotionally present uh, Martian Manhunter he's now my favorite yes. version so I hate to make this uh, a, a sad moment uh, because this makes me sad to think about um what if we're never gonna get the answer to no. why Kara <laughs> failed? Because my question now is, is there like a gauntlet associated with all of the totems? Like now that she's past the courage thing and Nixley has the, the, the courage to like, I guess she, she gets whatever energy is in the courage. Like, is that, is that over with now? Do they, they, they do they not need to worry about the courage part now? I, I don't know. Do they just move on from courage? (laughs) Probably. I I mean, I was worried when they said, because what did they tell her? It was like going to be a terrible emotional toll or something really dramatic. And I was like, do I really want to see Kara more traumatized in this? Like, I thought we just did that. Like, I thought we were working through it. I thought we were going to get that therapy session with Kelly. If it gives her a story, I will take it. (laughs) You're like, I will take that trauma. I will take that screen time. Thank you. (laughs) Kelly just parachutes in, like in the guardian outfit, then takes it off and is like, all right, now it's time for our session. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That'd be so great. I thought it was going to have something to do with like the phantom zone. So I was really surprised when they, they took it down back to the pilot. Um, and, and so I was like, Oh cool. It's so great to, you know, see the pilot. Remember that show? What a great time that was. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and yeah, then they did it. They did a really answer. good job of recreating that. Uh, I thought so. Props yeah, they really that. did. Yeah, I I had to ask myself a couple times. I was like, "Well, this is footage from the pilot, but was that footage from the pilot?" Like it was. <laughs> they did a really good job with that. But they're taking you all the way back to the pilot, and then they don't give you the answer, which felt like a little bit aggravating to me. Like even if it was in that final couch scene with Lena when she was, if she had said, "I think I should have done this," but by the time I figured it out, it was too late or something like that. That would have been nice. I just wanted the answer. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if we'll actually get that. So, well, we'll see. Um uh okay, so we I, we sort of briefly mentioned Lena. Um so she's trying to in this episode trying to come with come to terms with her witchy lineage, I guess is the best way to put that. Um so uh I guess uh Dr. Nicole, I'll start with you since uh you have some I think feelings on uh uh, on magic and science. Um, so what did you think about what Lena was going through in this episode where she was trying to have to really come to terms with it and realize that she, maybe she could do something with magic? I'm going to, I'm going to say this in defense of Lena. Uh, this like, this kind of got brought up what two episodes ago now when she was in Irish Canada. Um, <laughs> she, Cause she was like, I don't, I know I just saw something that I can't explain, but I still feel like there's a scientific explanation potentially like at play here, just being a good skeptical scientist looking for the proof. Um, but 
I, I think that's reasonable. And, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying things like, you know, she has alien friends and she has friends who can fly. But I want to remind everybody the car can fly as a result of her unique Kryptonian biology. Ah, there you go. <laughs> the Luthers have been studying for years. So Lena probably knows exactly how that works. And even though I've tried to look this up and don't think that there is any actual scientific basis to the photonucleic effect, <laughs> she, like, even, even our take the grass moment had a scientific explanation there. It was like reverse photosynthesis, basically. She like drew the sunlight out and she like healed herself. So I was like trying to think if there was any like truly like really just this has to be magic that we've seen before then. I know there was with like the, the world killers and the, the three Kryptonian witches, but I don't know that Lena um, got to see all that. And Rain's biology again was like Sam's, there was a switch in gene expression, which is my whole thing <laughs> that I do. Um, and so it was, there was a, again, she could see in the, the blood and her and Alex were going through and doing all those tests to show that there was this transition. So I feel like Lena is still being very appropriately skeptical because of all the things that she's seen that has been really crazy and unexplainable she's found, or there is already an answer to this. I think I would have preferred that they made Lena like partly alien oh. as to like Ooh. magic, because that's what I want. <laughs> like if, if we're going to do this, I would rather there be a scientific explanation, but that's, that's maybe where, where I'm at. So I really identified with her in that moment. And I was like, yeah, we would all be like, in a huddle, like, or drinking at a bar after something like that. And we'd be like, there's probably, like, let's just think about this. If we think about it and if we go into the literature, there's going to be some, <laughs> there's going to be some indication of what's going on. It's going to be fine. Um, that's, a, that's a really good defense of Lena because I even, I think, made the case, like, there are Kryptonian witches on the show. She, she dealt with them. Uh, so that's a, that's a good defense uh, of Lena and why she would be sort of still skeptical about that. I'm just trying to rationalize how, like, I really need an explanation of something. <laughs> this is really about me trying to rationalize my behavior as well. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I tweeted this earlier that I'm, I'm also watching midnight mass right now on Netflix and it's oh, just yeah, like yeah. a mess. I was like, I feel attacked from every angle. I just want there <laughs> to be clear answers. I don't need people to like present me with unexplainable circumstances. I just want like, I just want to go down my research path and that to be it. I think what's funny is that I, uh, we just finished midnight mass and, and I could not stop um, like bothering Mike about the logistics of like the population that they said was on the Island. I was like, and every scene I'd be like, well, look, look at that, Mike. They said there was like 120 people on this Island. That's the whole Island in that one room. Where's the rest of the people? Or like when they would go into the school, I'd be like, how are there multiple grades on this school with only a hundred? And I was like, that was the size of our wedding, Mike. <laughs> I was like, how could there be multiple like school grades? So I understand uh, like just getting caught in the minutia details of like not being yeah. able to let things go. <laughs> yes. Okay, just that's what we do here on Supergirl Radio. <laughs> yes, we we yes. sell it that. That's 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 part of what we do. Um, so just for the 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 ignorant like myself, uh, so what is Midnight Mass? Give, give me like a thirty second rundown on what that is. Oh, sure. I haven't. Oh, you go ahead. I haven't quite finished it, but I also don't care if there are spoilers. So. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to spoil anything. I think that the, <laughs> you have to take the ride. Uh, so anyway, so Midnight Mass is um, Mike Flanagan's new horror show. I think it's like seven or eight episodes. And he's the same guy who did The Haunting on Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. And this one is about like it's a small 
island that only has like 150, like 20 some people on it. And this new mysterious priest comes to the island and then weird stuff starts happening. And that's kind of like the boilerplate discussion of it. And it, it goes, it goes in directions I didn't really see coming like about halfway through. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> that's what's happening. Um, but, but yeah, we did, there are some like um, some, some things where it's like, the supernatural stuff cannot really be explained by science. And there's like a doctor character who's like trying to figure it out. So there was a lot of like, uh, you know, scientisty kind of characters this week going like, it can't be. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we, we're getting a lot of no spoilers. Uh, oh, yes. mm-hmm. So, so we'll, we'll stop talking about it. I just had not heard of, heard it's of a it. Great so I just it's a great to show. Keep... All right. <laughs> That might be a, a good thing to watch during uh, the spooky season. All right. So good recommendation there. Um, and Morgan, what did you think about uh, Lena and her her continuing to pursue uh, her her magical uh, heritage? And even in that scene with Kara, we actually get to see Cara, uh, Lena fess up to Kara like, hey, uh, by the way, uh, I'm a witch. I <laughs> Just FYI, <laughs> I'm a witch. <laughs> not a no biggie uh i liked so the first thing i really liked about this storyline because this storyline's insane and so i'm just going with it i'm just <laughs> flying flying on a broomstick along with lena with this storyline because <laughs> sure all right there's sure um <laughs> I'm, I'm still not over a couple of episodes ago when they were in the woods like sniffing branches and and <laughs> And doing the charmed theme song and like '90s <laughs> outfits with bad wigs. It's it was a quite the introduction to the storyline. Continues to be amazing. Uh, I, I liked that the witch, like Vita, the dumb Kryptonian witch, was like wink. <laughs> like every time <laughs> Lena would look over at her, she'd go like pew 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 pew. <laughs> Lena's like, no, no, not me. I don't know anything about this magic you talk about. And Vita's like, oh. Or do you? <laughs> or are we sisters, kind of, because covens and stuff? And Melina's like, no, 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 please, no, none of this for me. Uh, but I, I do like the the, the storyline of Lena being like a very scientific minded person, even though she's got these friends who are aliens. Like all the explainable, unexplainable supernatural stuff in her life is kind of explained by you know an alien has different biology or you know physiology and. And that's why these people have certain powers. One could make the comment that she already knows about Kryptonian witches because she also experienced season three. But mm-hmm. I mean, did she? I don't know anymore in this post-crisis well, reality. She should have remembered Vita, I feel like. Well, technically, she spent more time with Rain, I guess. That's true. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to think if she I was, was actually with the Kryptonian she, witches. I couldn't remember if she had met any of the witches or if she had been in any scenes with the witches. So I was like, yeah. did she know Vita? Was she in the, she was in the DEO, right? When they attacked. Cause, or maybe she left like, cause there was that scene, right? Where Sam was behind the like shield that she had built her that like contained Kryptonians. Right. And like the med bay. And they were talking and they were like, oh, no, this is when Sam was like reverting back. Her gene, her genes were going back to their original programming state. And I feel like right after that, the witches came in and just wreaked havoc. <laughs> and I don't know where. Wait, was, that, was it the scene where they were like, don't give this vial of blood or whatever it was? Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, don't, whatever you do, don't give it to those Kryptonian witches. Don't let them take it. And then Supergirl just like threw it to him. 
here you go. Do you, do you uh, remember that? Yeah. I was like, what? What are you doing? I surrender. Maybe that's the moment she should have went back to. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Uh, Is it? Well, didn't Demos die? Didn't the agent die? Oh. Uh, was that that fight? So. That was uh, sad. There, uh, there were a lot of uh, instances like that in the DEO. So I, I could possibly be making uh, uh, connections there, the there uh, that weren't a uh, part of the episode. I'll have to go back and dig through that uh, to watch the end of season three again, but maybe she didn't in- encounter that. Maybe she physically did not encounter the witches. No. Yeah. I have, I had some questions because, because the timeline's so wonky and anything is possible. I was like, did she meet the witches? And if she did meet the witches, did she meet the witches? Like the second question is like, did, did crisis make it? So, okay, well, we need to do this. We want to do this storyline a certain way. She didn't now. Yay. Um, I don't know, but I did. I do like her search for like, there has to be a scientific explanation and the witches just keep being like, no. And she's like, no, 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 but there has to be like, if you think about it and the witches are like magic. And I think that there's something really funny about like seeing someone like Lena try to like rationalize it and figure out like, okay, I'm going to ha- wrap my arms around this. And we're just going to like, I'm going to, combine this magic and this science and figure out and Vita's like just think real hard and sniff a branch and, that, <laughs> and you'll have your heart's desire and it's like no this can't be how this works and I think that that's really really funny uh I don't is it good storytelling who knows but uh I do I do think Lena out of her comfort zone is very funny uh, and has been really fun to watch, especially in this episode when every time they mention magic, Lena's like, who, me? Not me. <laughs> well, well, at the end, uh, when she's talking to Kara, she does say, hey, maybe I can do something to help. I can maybe untether you from Nixley. So I think she's now kind of realizing, okay, if I do have this ability, I guess, uh, maybe I'll use it. So I think by the end of the episode, she's she's willing to to give it a shot. She's willing to give it a try. Yeah, she's like, I can un-Voldemort you if that's needed. And Kara's <laughs> like, nah, I'm loving this journey for myself. It reminds me of a book I read one time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I did. I really appreciated that final couch scene because I liked that they didn't drag out, like, Lena knows she's a witch but doesn't want to tell anybody for, like, episodes at a time, which is, like, a thing that this show definitely would have done. And so Lena, like, learned her lesson from season five that, like, secrets are bad. And secrets are no fun. Um, and so she told Kara, she was like, hey, got to tell you this thing. Kind of crazy. Turns out I'm a witch. And Kara's like, cool. Um, <laughs> do you want to watch 90 Day Fiance? And uh, <laughs> I, I just like, after a whole season of every single thing, misunderstanding between those two characters being so heightened and like blown out of proportion, uh, to see them kind of have a normal scene where where. Lena's just like, hey, this is a thing. I don't know where it's going, but it's, and I'm trying to figure it out, but I think you should know. And Carter would be like, okay, cool. Thanks for telling me. No, I want to, I want to have my connection to the villain of the season. I think that'll be fun. Uh, that was kind of refreshing to see them just talk to each other like normal people instead of it being like, you didn't tell me that one thing that one time. And, and Carter being like, yeah, um, I almost wanted to tell you, but then it turned out everyone would die but i can't tell you that so we're still mad uh it was it was nice to see them have a couch scene honestly because usually we get the couch scenes between Kara and alex and so to get a Kara and lena couch scene was was really fun and lena was in her her comfy clothes and her sneakies and like it just seemed like a fun girls night in 
Yeah, she definitely put her shoes up on the couch, uh, but I guess that's Which is okay. rude. Um, <laughs> but she's been rich for so long, you have to understand. That yeah, she doesn't know when that. When you have that kind of money, there are no rules. You make yeah. the rules. So. Who cares? You can just buy a new couch. No big deal. I like the idea that, like, a, of, of Kara having to, like, socialize Lena uh, and be like, Lena, listen. <laughs> loving this loving this hangout energy you need to take your shoes off my couch though <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh i didn't realize that was a thing that you couldn't do <laughs> just lena learning I usually about just, what regular I usually people just do kick my feet up on the couch and then buy a new couch <laughs> <laughs> uh so we do have some uh confirmations from the chat about the instance with the witches and the deo okay good um, i knew somebody would know <laughs> yeah, so the chat's coming through from uh, for us uh leslie says Lena had to go to L Corp. Uh, Levi says, I think Lena wasn't there. And uh, L Rainbow 3 says it was the DEO when the uh, Rain Witches attacked. Uh, let's see. Uh, and Donna says it was uh, when Demos died. Demos protected, uh, died protecting the blood. And then Leslie says Demos was uh, eviscerated by three heat vision shots. Uh, yes. So uh, I'm glad we have the confirmation on that. Even if we can't remember, thankfully the chat is always there uh, to come through. <laughs> That's why we have us. this chat now. <laughs> Thank you to the live and wired chat for uh, filling us in when we have forgotten. Uh, all right. So uh, I guess let's, uh, let's hit overall thoughts uh, so we can get to feedback. So, uh, Dr. Nicole Green, uh, what did you think about uh, the gauntlet? Uh, did you like this episode or did you not like this episode? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought Kara's faces throughout the entire episode were priceless. She was just a constant meme, and I've been seeing that all over Twitter. Um, I thought we got some really nice, like, Kelly and Alex moments, some, like, domestic moments now that they're living together. So that was nice that Kelly was in the episode at the same time as Lena, which almost never happens. <laughs> um Oh, I did laugh a lot because there was one segment. I don't know. It may, may have been a couple minutes where they said courage, like every 10 words, if, if that, and I was like, if this were a drinking game, we would all be dead. Um, yes. So I guess we'll see if that happens in every one of the totem episodes where it's, it's like, to. it will just be like, love is a thing that I love as we love each other here today. <laughs> well, I, I guess, I guess you have oh, to be humanity. I guess you have to, do, I mean, I don't know if they get, well, they have, they can, they can have another word in there. I feel like they could put a synonym in there, but if you have something called the courage totem, it almost makes it inevitable that you're going to say courage with courage totem all the time. So, oh, yeah, yep. it, drives me, it, it drives me nuts. Courage, courageous, encourage. It, it was pretty I, often. I do like that they've committed so much to like having like an, a word of the episode that they've basically structured the last, you know, couple episodes of the series around that. <laughs> Yeah, that is uh, that is what the show does. That is mm -hmm. how they write these episodes. Uh, and I just am going to have to live with it. Uh, so, Morgan, what did you think about this episode? Uh, did you did you come away with it? Wanted to rewatch it? Or were you like, oh, I'm going to push that one back into the season? <laughs> no, you know what? I'm not putting that one into the void, I don't think. I'm not going to put that into that storage unit in the Phantom Zone. I'm going <laughs> uh, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep this one. I, 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 I thought it was... 
it was a really out there. It was really campy. It was a, a strange tonal shift after last week where it was like getting into really dark, heavy topics and, and uh, you know, really digging into Kelly. Although I do appreciate that they kept Kelly's kind of storyline. They like pulled it through to this episode, which is not always a thing that, uh, that Supergirl does. Sometimes it's like, oh, this is a wacky episode and we're not going to deal with that heavy thing we talked about in the last episode. So we did have a little bit of Kelly and she was still working with, um, with Orlando. And uh, so you know that that storyline is still, you know, continuing. They, they still exist in this world. <laughs> they are still out there somewhere. Again, not always a given on this show. Um, but I thought that this one was was pretty good. I think it, it's given us the structure for the end of this the season. And I don't hate it. Um, the idea of her having to go through these, like, gauntlet-style challenges that uh, apparently she will have to uh, maybe face some, you know, face some demons and, and go and go and do things that are related to whatever the word of the day is. I mean, it's not the worst. I, I, I liked, and the, the Alex and the Jean stuff was really funny. The brainy stuff was funny. So I thought that this one had like a good mix of like kind of emotional stuff, story stuff and humor. Um, so I, yeah, I like this one. Yeah, Kara actually got uh, she felt like the lead character who was going through something with the the lead villain. Uh, so <laughs> yes. that so that made me happy, and especially since they're connected now. They're connected now. <laughs> they can feel each other. It's like uh, Elliot and ET. Ugh, I don't want to think about ET. It freaks me out. Uh, but <laughs> he's, it's also like Elliot and ET if you're into that. Um, but I think my favorite part of this episode was William tells I think Nia. It's time I get back on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I straight up laughed, turned to Mike and yelled, you heard that, right? Uh, <laughs> love that journey for William. <laughs> so I that's probably not any kind of reference to us, but uh, that that really put it over the top for me that they they were uh, they went that extra mile to give me a William is Comet uh, reference. Uh, that's how I took it anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you, Supergirl writers, uh, for throwing that in. Well, I, I guess that's going to do it for our discussion. Uh, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about the gauntlet. And um, uh, Dr. Nicole, I'm going to take you out for feedback. But if you want to hang around, if you have time uh, afterwards and want to do some snap judgments, you're welcome to come back in and, and do some snap judgments with us at the end. Uh, but sure we'll, we'll, we'll take you out for the tweets and the emails to give you a little break. And uh, we'll bring you back in if we, if we see you. So uh, we'll take you out for now, but maybe we'll see you later. All right. Thanks. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit. Oh, man, I just took <laughs> ourselves out. Let Ooh. me actually remove Nicole. Okay, good. Okay. All right. So uh, let's uh, let's get to some tweets, Morgan, if, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, at Kenny Crayley says, decent episode of Supergirl. Some good Supergirl Kara moments. The totem messing up everyone and making them be courageous was interesting yet odd at the same time. Hopefully now the final season story will begin to pick up. Overall, I give this episode a 3.5 out of 5. Um, at Patty Mello 20 said, I love this episode. The humor was on point. The drama was good. And the plot almost made sense uh, <laughs> high praise uh it was, <laughs> it was really nice to see lena and Kara being truly friends and supporting each other in every way i also love that lena told Kara about being a witch and didn't keep it a secret 
uh, at I am no guitar hero said, hope I make it into the delayed podcast. This was the first episode in a while. I've truly enjoyed most of season six. I've sort of convinced myself to watch. So I ended up watching several days later. This one, I was drawn in still some issues, but it was fun. We need more of that. Yeah, and you made the podcast. So thanks for thanks you did for it. submitting the tweet. <laughs> At uh, Kaya underscore Matsui said, can you believe that we had Kara and Lena being real friends for the first time since season four? I am shook. <laughs> I, li- <laughs> I like this episode. It was funny, emotional, and it moved the plot along. Was the real test for Kara letting the plane crash? I don't know what to think. I hope not. <laughs> Could I you hope imagine how not. dark that is? It's like, that's like how she became Supergirl. <laughs> Did you consider just letting everyone die? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that is dark. Um, At SL Fricky said, uh, decent fun follow up to last week's more heavy episode. Can Brainy get a bit more respect, though, and not be the butt of so much humiliation? Being possessed and being beaten up by ordinary people? The man's a legionnaire for crying out loud. Karate Kid would be ashamed. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's not been going great for Brainy. And then I mean, he messed Bra- up all those calculations. <laughs> Bra- Brainy is a legionnaire. There should be some respect that comes from that because he, <laughs> he he probably did a lot of adventuring and superheroing when he was a legionnaire in the future. So he just yeah. got beaten up by like a couple of like scientists in lab coats. They weren't even like super villains. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with SL Fricky. I, I think he der- deserve, deserves a little more respect. At Yo Rocky 89 said, I think it was great. Some good in-depth looks into Kara's feelings regarding her courage. I still think she has yet to face her real test. Uh, at Valkyrie88A said, I liked it a lot. The humor was really good. Was Brainy wearing prosthetic hands when he was green? His hands looked really big. Huh. I'll have to go back and look at that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the things you uh, you notice, I guess, when you're watching. Uh, at Lara uh, Redenbaum said, too much William. Lena in sneakers, um, and then that like thumbs up emoji. Uh, <laughs> um, at CM Gutierrez seventy four said, "Love this episode, nine out of ten. No wasted scenes. They progress the storylines for individuals and the group. I was fully engaged in the plot and at the edge of my seat. If all the totem searches are this exciting, the end of season six is going to be the bomb." P.S. I even like the William story. Uh, which we I realized we didn't talk about, um, but William got some character development because they remembered that he got shot. Yeah, uh, they flashed back to to him being shot by Miss Desbacher, <laughs> and uh, of course they would need to. We're thirteen episodes away from him getting shot, and he re- <laughs> he's like, "Oh my god, I think that was tra- traumatizing." <laughs> Yeah, and he uh, my, one of my other favorite things about William is that when he 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 was going to start his investigation, I guess, of the super friends. And he wrote down giant cat and Rankin. Those are his notes. Yes. I guess you got to start somewhere, but I also like that Andre wanted him to be like the person who wrote all the super friends, like feature articles, but she also wanted him to go deep undercover with organized crime. (laughs) I I have to say, I don't know how both of those things would be possible. (laughs) I feel like deep undercover with organized crime would be, kind of a time consuming you have to commit project. to that you have to commit to he'd probably have to start like smoking cigarettes and you know wearing jean jackets and being tough i <laughs> guess my my impression of organized crime is just like a, a like a, a gang in story the 80s. yeah <laughs> he's gonna have to start snapping a lot <laughs> working on those dance moves if he can't pirouette he's never gonna be a shark <laughs> 
<laughs> but but now his his conclusion by the end of the episode, which is a pretty big uh, thing that William is going <laughs> to insert himself into, is that he wants to go uh, meet up with his super friends and be part of their team now, is what it sounded like. Uh, so I like, guess we'll see oops. some of that. <laughs> yeah. Nia might have uh, accidentally inspired him to do that. The idea of him being embedded with the super friends is so ridiculous that it's almost charming, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it makes any sense. And I don't know why this is happening, but okay. What if, what if the horse thing was foreshadowing? <laughs> what if he does become common? What if it happens? And, and that's how he's in with the super friends. He just becomes <laughs> one of them. I'm not getting my hopes up, but no, I mean, they could, it could have been foreshadowing. I mean, we're never going to get common on this we're show. No, we're let's, never going to be get... honest. <laughs> that's that's too much in the comics and part of and just Supergirl's thing. And so that will that will never make it on. And it would also be uh, foreshadowing uh, and be written well if that was the case. Also, Rebecca, we all know that Comet's going to show up on Superman and Lois. Oh, that would be <laughs> devastating. I'd be like, no, that's Supergirl's thing. They already it's... got Leslie Lara. They're going to get comment eventually. It's definitely going to happen on Superman and Lois. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So uh, at major underscore dork 13 said, loved, loved, loved the episode. It moved the plot lines and was fun, goofy, and made me genuinely laugh. Honestly, these totems may be MacGuffins, but they are definitely working for Supergirl. Everyone got their moment to shine, dot, dot, dot. Even William. Uh, <laughs> also, Lena and Kara had multiple conversations. What? <laughs> My theory for why Kara failed. She was supposed to come out to the world as Kara Danvers as well. This season is about power and Kara having a secret identity is her having the privilege of hiding. The show will end with her revealing that to the world on her own terms, not on blackmail. Oh, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's possible. I, suppose, I did wonder if it had something to do with her secret identity, but I was like, but what? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you could do that. You could end the show with her her saying, hey, I'm I'm Kara. I work at CatCo. Like, what's, been, what, what's her been, reporter job going to look like after I've that? been covering myself for several years. It is a huge <laughs> journalistic breach of ethics. I understand that. I understand that. And then she, like, kind of turns to William and she goes, pew, pew. Like, he's like... <laughs> and that's how it ends fade to black <laughs> honestly if they did that i'd be into it that'd i think that'd be great they just like first iron man movie the ending there she's just like it's me Cara. sorry i'm not returning the pulitzer and then she just shoots up into the air <laughs> i, I would love be it to that uh at K katie mcgraw book club says theory Lena isn't rich anymore since she stepped away from Luther Corps. Lex said she'll lose everything. Therefore, she can't afford the $1,000 heels anymore. I hate the shoes on the couch, but now I've adopted the idea that every episode, Lena's shoes get worse. Boardroom or boardwalk? <laughs> so should we uh, do a little boardroom or ballroom and talk about uh, I some think of her so. new wardrobe? And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? I did neglect to bring some screenshots, so we're just going to have to go our memory <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Lena's uh, sneakers and her. Uh, I mean, you've got the uh, you got the I picture have, behind us, kind yeah, of. I've, so. I, I got, I ha yeah, I have a little bit of her 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 more flowy blouse, and uh, so the the pants were a little. Uh, I feel like the irony is that like bit. now that she doesn't have her own lab, she's dressing like appropriate for a lab setting. Like she has closed toed shoes. She has like kind of comfortable clothes. She's like, now that I'm, I, I, what I kind of want for her 
this is what I want for her. Um, <laughs> it, it's not what's going to happen. But I want Lena to really lean hard into the witch thing. We know that <laughs> Lena has this tendency to be like, hey, guys, now that I'm a super friend, like, I'm going to bring every, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna be the best super friend I possibly can be. And I, like, stayed up all night, like, watching all your battle tapes. And I've got some suggestions. And, like, <laughs> like bringing, like, a, like a, a try-hard energy that's really off-putting to most people into situations. And so I think that she leans so hard into being a witch. Like, I think that the outfits are going to start to get flowier. And, like, by the end of the season, she's basically going to be dressing like Stevie Nicks. She's going to be – and and every time she has to do something, she's just going to start twirling. Like, twirling, there's going to be scarves. She's going to be twirling. She's going to be like, I make my own candles now. She's going to she's gonna be giving everybody candles and soap that she made and she made herself. And people are going to be like, Lena, we don't need any more candles. And she's like, but you always need candles for witchcraft. And like, <laughs> so you think the clothes are a reflection of her uh, getting in touch with nature? Yeah, I think the flowiness, the flowiness of those pants. And, you know, now that she's in sneakers, she's close to the earth, mm, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I think that this is the beginning of her transition into like a more witchy outfit aesthetic. I think <laughs> and, and, she, she's poor now and she's going to get a bunch of peasant skirts from like. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you think about the hair? She's she's more uh, uh, curly, uh, yeah. crunch style. Uh, what what do you is she is she trying to I, evoke the wig? The, yeah, I, the Elizabeth I, Walsh wig. I think so. I think she looked at a lot of those pictures of her mom, and she was like, "What a great wig!" And <laughs> she and she thought, "I bet I could rock a similar style, but you know, instead of it." being kind of on top of my head it will be my actual hair <laughs> and so but like I feel like Lena's like I don't have to be in the boardroom every day I don't have to be a boss I don't have to yell at people I don't have to like pull my hair back in a severe style I'm gonna let it air dry baby it's just gonna be I'm just I'm gonna take a shower and then I'm gonna just walk through a field and that's how I'm gonna dry my hair and I like it I just like the vibes I think at some point like she's gonna come in she's gonna have like flowers like braided into her hair no reason Reason at all she's gonna start really like um incorporating like a ren fair vibe that nobody <laughs> I like that, feels yeah. comfortable with like she's just gonna like walk in and she's she's gonna get more maybe maybe a little bit more theatrical <laughs> <laughs> she's so walks in like holding like a crystal ball no one asked for that no one wants a reading she keeps asking no one wants a reading but she's like oh i'm sensing like she just sits down next to you and she just starts sensing things about what's going on with you um and then i think kelly's gonna have to talk to her again about reining it in <laughs> but i think that's where her fa that's what i want for lena that's where i think her fashion is going it does seem to be leading us there. So we'll have to track <laughs> Lena's transition into full witchhood. She's because she's in a middle ground now because she's still got her sensible vests on like when she used to do her like little three piece suits. And she mm -hmm. was like a she was like boss Lena. She was boss yeah. Lena. Now she took off. She took off one layer of that. Right. <laughs> she's, she's down to just the vest. And the pants are so are so swishy. I feel like the peasant skirts are coming. <laughs> and this has been Lena Luther, Boardroom or Ballroom. 
All right. I'm glad we could document that change in <laughs> Lena's appearance <laughs> because it has transitioned. She used to, when she was sort of evil Lena, she would have like her hair pulled back and straight. Uh, it's very and, severe. Yeah. Now. So, so there, no there nonsense. is in, intentionality behind Now it's that. all nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we have uh, some additional feedback about the season six episode titled Blind Spot. So I thought we could get to those first. Uh, before we get into the gauntlet. So uh, first up is a message from Tyler Patrick, who is a host of a Krypton Report, the All Things Kryptonian podcast, and a recent guest on Supergirl Radio. And uh, Tyler asked, quote, is it odd that it feels like the writers forgot Orlando and Joey are aliens? Why wasn't Orlando using his powers to help the building when it fell, unquote? And Tyler also added that there was no mention of them being aliens at the hospital, which would be important uh, for medical treatment. And uh, we also got a similar message from Donna, who sent us a message saying uh, that she got a comment on her spoiler TV review of Blind Spots. So go over there and check it out. Bringing up the the point that Kelly's argument of Supergirl not caring or not knowing what it was like for the people in the Heights ignores the fact that all the residents of that building were aliens like Supergirl. Uh, so just to remind everyone, uh, because I had certainly forgot were about that. Were they all that, aliens? Uh, I think there were probably some of them, uh, like little Esme, like a lot of the kids in the foster yeah. home had the the damp power dampening cuts, so uh, cuffs. So uh, there were people in the Heights who did have powers. Uh, I just want to remind everybody because I did forget uh, because a lot of the conversation around Joey and Orlando were about uh, what they looked like and not necessarily where they were from or uh, their their actual, uh, I guess, biology. Uh, Joey and Orlando are Zeltarians. Uh, that's how the closed captioning in the episode Dreamweaver spells it. Uh, but uh, the Arrowverse spells it as Zoltarians. Uh, so uh, I, I'm going to go with the closed captioning on this one. Sorry, Arrowverse Wiki, but I think I'm going to go with Zeltarians. Um, and they do have EMP powers. And uh, so my question then is, uh, does that change the conversation between Kelly and Kara a little bit? Because I yeah. think it I think it does. I think, I think, uh, I yeah. think it makes you question why that wasn't part of the story because they've established in season four that like aliens not everybody likes aliens right like aliens are kind of um like a mistreated minority in the world of supergirl and so you would think that that would be kind of they would maybe bring up the intersection of like the race their race and them being aliens and like making that doubly hard on them and I kind of forgot that they were aliens because it didn't really come up in this one. And it hasn't yeah. come up in kind of a while. It was but, yeah, mentioned that in was... the first episode they were in. And that was that. Was yeah, it, yeah. Really. It, was, it was mentioned in that episode because he uses his powers to like to steal, to steal things for the uh, the warden or the, the prison system there. And then and then and then Joey had those power dampening cuffs, but it was definitely something that I at this point had at this point forgotten about. I had forgotten it because they they didn't touch on it again. I think it could have been a way to, and I I know I mentioned this in our our blind spots review as well, but I wish they had done more to bring Carr and Kelly together, and I think that would have been a good way to do that uh, because Kelly could recognize that Carr could speak to the alien side of these of these people in the Heights and Kelly could speak to, um, you know, the, the black experience, I guess, of, of the people in the Heights and what they look like. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think it's really weird 
that they, I, I guess the show kind of forgot they were aliens uh, because they didn't really mention that. And it never came up with in regards to Kara and Supergirl. So I think that's a really big thing that they neglected to mention. I feel like it was kind of a missed opportunity and like being able to talk about how like intersectionality, right? Like how different, you know, different identities can intersect with each other. And, you know, they could have brought up how, you know, them being black and then them being aliens could be like even more hard maybe for Orlando to get jobs because people don't like aliens or, or, or something like that. I, I mean, I think that there were some, opportunities with the alien stuff that they kind of didn't get into. And it was already a kind of a packed episode. So I can kind of understand why they made have put that off to the side, but them being aliens was kind of a bigger deal in the, um, in the prison episode in their kind of like debut episode. And then since then it hasn't really come into play too much, but it, it's a great way for Supergirl and, and Orlando and Joey to kind of, interact on that level and to kind of understand each other. So I, I mean, I think even at one point Kelly says, you know, you were involved in the alien stuff in season four because it affected you. Um, but one could argue that maybe this should affect her too, because yes, there are aliens. Yes. That's the whole reason that Kelly went to go see little Joey is because Orlando was doing that stuff that he didn't want to do and it was uh, affecting him, which Joey could recognize. Uh, so it was based on their EMP powers that they both have. So, yeah, I, that's a huge thing that they neglected to hit on in that episode, which I, I understand why they did what they did. But that's if you're if you're going storytelling wise with these characters, that that's a huge thing to not bring up. Yeah. Um, so Allie wrote in to say, this is my first time writing in, even though I've listened quite frequently in the past. I wanted to give my two cents on blind spots since I think it was easily the best one of this season so far. I think we have to attribute this to Ozzy helping write the episode and David Ramsey directing it. Uh, with this topic of social and racial injustice, which they didn't tackle so successfully in the past, in my opinion, I was scared that this episode wouldn't land very well, but I'm happy to say that it knocked my expectations out of the park. Ozzy was just amazing on and off screen representing and elevating voices that normally on her aren't heard and on Supergirl in the past weren't always shown well. I like the metaphor of the councilwoman zapping all the energy from the people in the heights. And I found it even better when Kelly was the one to redirect it back to them. All of the emotional talks between the super friends and Kelly were long overdue, but landed very well for me. My heart broke for Kelly in the final scene with Alex at home. I hope the writers won't forget these issues once Ozzy isn't the one writing anymore, because I think it's important to show Alex and Kelly's relationship development too. Uh, and I will say, I, it was one of the things I liked about this episode is that they didn't just sweep the previous episode under the rug even though again totally a very different episode uh but they did have that alex and kelly conversation that was kind of continuing well, it was continuing the conversation from the episode before and having alex really listen to kelly and and ask her like do you need me to be there i can be there if you need me to be there and and having kelly say, and having kelly say okay no i can handle it you know i'm i'm gonna get down there and do the guardian thing and like you do your stuff and and we can meet up later and then having actually guardian come in at the end of the episode and having Alex thank her for, you know, for, for showing up, even though she had important stuff to do. I think that kind of shows the development of their relationship and that they like 
had a conflict and then talked about it and then are actively working on it like adults, Uh, which is a fun, it's a fun wrinkle on Supergirl, really. So (laughs) I I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, they did get to uh, have some uh, development in their relationship in this episode this week. Uh, Okay, and so Sam wrote in to share some thoughts about the gauntlet, writing, quote, I just felt the need to write in and say that I think Nixley might be the best story arc-based villain the show has ever had. This surprises me because I didn't find her that compelling when she was first introduced. But over time, I have become more invested in seeing how her story plays out with this latest episode, cementing her as a personal fave. In some ways, the story arc is playing out as a version of what the writers tried to do with Kara and Lena, where Nixley started out as friends with Kara and then became vengeful when she felt Kara had betrayed her. Only this time it's being done well. (laughs) I think the part of what makes the Nixley story arc so compelling to me is that her goals and motivations are evolving as the season progresses. What she wants and why she wants it are shifting in large part due to her interactions with Kara. Last season, Lena pretty much had the same motivation and goal throughout the majority of her villain arc until she finally came to her senses and was redeemed. I had my reservations about the whole quest for the totem story arc and still do, but I think what they did with the courage totem in this episode was inspired. Having Kara fail the trial and Nixley succeed only for Kara to remain heroic and Nixley to double down on her villainy was a stroke of genius. I appreciate the note of ambiguity. Ambiguity. ambiguity this usually happens to me so (laughs) i appreciate the note of ambiguity the episode left us with questioning what the purpose of the trials were why why did Kara fail why did nixley double down on her villainy when she passed passed her trial was it because these weren't typical heroic trials that we usually see where overcoming the trial is part of the hero's journey but perhaps the opposite perhaps they were trials designed for villains to lead them further into the depths of villainy maybe it isn't as clear-cut it could be the case where the where the lesson a person takes away from passing the trial is a matter of perspective. The lesson Nixley was supposed to learn versus the lesson she took away from it are not necessarily the same thing. <laughs> I have a theory that Kara's trial was about having the courage to face up to her past self's cowardice rather than try to do things over, but perhaps we'll never know. On the top of Lena and her journey into discovering her magical heritage, there are some interesting ideas, particularly how it conflicts with her ingrained rational science-based ideology and mode of thinking. However, I think the execution is extremely clunky and it's possibly too late in the day with the series so close to ending to start a story like this, a storyline like this. If it had been done sooner, it would have been it would have had more time to breathe. Honestly, the magic versus science debate slash conflict Lena's experiencing could just as easily been uh, religion and faith versus science. There was an episode of Star Trek Voyager, Sacred Ground, where Captain Janeway, who was just as scientifically minded as Lena, had a religious experience that left her questioning her previously unshaken, unshakable belief in rationality and science as the be all and end all of things. Personally, I think the episode did a much better job of showing a closed-minded character opening themselves up to the possibility that there were more things in heaven and earth there than are dreamt of in their philosophy that Supergirl has been doing with Lena during this story arc. In parting, I thought I'd mention that since it began and at various points during the series run, Supergirl has at times reminded me of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Even more now so with the Nixley and Mitch pairing that brings to mind the numerous villainous duos featured in Lois and Clark over the years. I feel like Mitch is a little underwritten and actually seems a little too smart and capable to be a sidekick when you think he could be running his own show. However, my headcanon is that he has the ability but lacks drive and personal goals. I envision him as a 
a character that attaches himself to other people with ambition because he lacks any of it on his own. He will help other people to achieve their goals and in some ways live vicariously through them, unquote. So great thoughts, Sam. I, I think sometimes it does uh, resemble Lois and Clark a little bit, and there were some good uh, villainous duos, uh, particularly of the uh, the Jeffersons variety. Uh, uh, George and Wheezy Jefferson were on as uh, villainous foes in one episode. Uh, really? So, <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think he was a version of the Toy Man. I think there were two different versions of Toy Man. If I remember correctly, I need but to yeah, Lois and Clark. Ah, oh, <laughs> Lois and Clark is the best. So um, good. And yeah, he mentioned uh, Nixley and some of the ways uh, that uh, she might have been a little bit different from Carr. And I thought it was interesting at the end of the the episode that Nixley was so frustrated that Kara was happy. She had failed the test, but Kara was still happy. I thought that was interesting. Uh, so we have an email from Emma. Uh, Emma. So Emma says, given the whole magic thing, I'm glad they remembered the Kryptonian witches. But why would Vita be the living memory AI? She was established as the dumb one. <laughs> Vita possessing Brainy was hilarious. Also, Kara's nonchalance at his uh, possession. I'm offended that Kara's moment of lacking true courage wasn't one of the many, many, Many times that she should have told Lena she was Supergirl, especially since it was revealed that what the totem wanted was emotional vulnerability. But I guess that might have been too much of a retread, uh, retread of the 100th episode. Uh, the Lena and Kara couch scene, it made me so happy. I'm glad Lena told Kara about her magic. I was worried that it was going to be a drawn out secret. Why do you think Kara didn't pass her trial? If the purpose of the test was for her to be emotionally vulnerable, I don't see where the opportunity for such vulnerability was. Mitch was surprisingly insightful. If he ever decides to leave his life of crime, he could maybe be a decent therapist. <laughs> maybe yeah. his journey is just to become, is like to uh, bump into Kelly and then she becomes his mentor. Mm, I could see that happening. The thing with Kara and vulnerability is that Kara already is very vulnerable in a lot of ways. So I don't yeah. know how, how could she be more vulnerable? She's not like a, like a very closed off character or anything. She feels like, a lot of things. She and does. She talks to people about her feelings and she <laughs> even talks about them on camera to, to millions of people. She hopes a lot. <laughs> so, um, so uh, yeah. So if, uh, if she has to be more vulnerable, I don't know how that could be the case. <laughs> um, and I'm seeing in the chat, some people are saying that their tweets didn't get read. If you have them, uh, link them in the chat. We'll, we'll, we'll read them. Um, they probably, uh, got, uh, uh, tweeted out before I got a chance to add them to our doc because I was running around a lot today. So if you have, if you have tweets you want to get read in the live chat, just put a link in there and we'll we'll read them uh, on the live stream. Um, so Daryl wrote in to say, quote, I'm not liking this fifth dimensional sexism at all. When Nixley showed her vulnerable side, it was the best scene in the episode. But we were robbed of not knowing how Kara would have passed the test. Uh, that did seem to bother a lot of people and rightfully <laughs> so. Daryl continues on to say, I figured out their biggest fear and it isn't Nixley or even Lex. It's open and honest communication. When John said, this is not your fault, I was so happy someone finally said that to Kara. This gauntlet storyline is just like grounding the, the grounding techniques plot. They introduced the grounding techniques plot to use with Kara when they found her in the Phantom Zone, but they never used it with Kara, so it's a storyline everyone else but her is allowed to participate in. <laughs> in the gauntlet, we uh, get a great scene where 
Nixley learns a valuable lesson, but Kara is left out of uh, character growth it could have provided her. And uh, Daryl also says, every time William and Andrea have a scene, I just wonder when he will tell her that Russell was his best friend. <laughs> oh, that, that that means he'll have to remember storylines no uh, from the past. Russell. Uh, Daryl says, it's not like William is investigating Russell's death anymore. They barely show Kara and Nia as journalists, and I'm supposed to care about William being one? If they do allow William to figure out that Kara is Supergirl, it will upset me that yet another character is able to figure it out while Lena had to be told in the worst way possible. Uh, Daryl also says that uh, he loved uh, John uh, this week. So encouraging and warm. He really was. He really uh, was. Daryl also says, I wish the writers would be more original for once. Lena is yet another character hiding a secret that will just be revealed later on anyway. So both of our main couples are sharing couch time. They can't expect us to see Alex and Kelly sharing couch time and then show Cara and Lena sharing couch time and not expect us to draw a parallel. <laughs> I just kind of saw it as like, that's what that's what the Danvers sisters do when they're like unwinding. They just sit on a couch. Um, uh, Daryl also says when Alex got that boost of courage, I was definitely joking around and saying, Hey, maybe she'll get that courage to adopt. Where was <laughs> Kelly this whole episode? She took a page from Lena's book last week and only showed up at the beginning and end of the episode. That was probably due to her, uh, her pulling double duty in the previous episode. That's, that's what I think probably happened is they gave yeah. her a little time off since she had been working so much. Um, and Daryl ends his email with a uh, quote. They aren't even pretending to follow the original rules of Alex's Martian weapon anymore. It was just supposed to become any weapon at first. Now it can become anything. They very well, please unquote. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it made kind of sense in this episode for, <laughs> helping with the thunderbolt lightning tornado thingy i guess the only rules are th that there are no rules for the i guess <laughs> i guess there aren't alien thing um <laughs> <laughs> what what do they call that is it called a gauntlet it's the hand of the soldier hand uh, of the soldier that's yeah right. that the alex's a uh, thing that she wears around her wrist is the hand of the soldier that allows her to create any weapon she wants Mike was asking me, I was like, how can Alex do that little bubble thing? And I was like, eh, magic. <laughs> <laughs> Her alien thing. I was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Naomi sent us an email to say, this was one of the very few episodes of Supergirl I was actually interested in and didn't consider it to be a chore. The show, used, uh, the show actually felt like a comic. For me to see six people dressed as superheroes where they hid their identity by glasses and eyeshadow, it's very difficult to handle real-world situations. The early episode was very difficult to follow because it made me question the whole world-building of Supergirl. And the show does not function when you have to question how justice works in their world. In what reality would a news reporter ignore that building crashing down? <laughs> I, I like this episode because it didn't take itself seriously, but at the same time let Kara have an emotional connection with the plot. After 12 episodes, we had to wait for Kara to have central parts in the story. I love Kara just being herself, not just being Supergirl who fights villains. I hope Alec gets, Alex gets developments too, but I don't have that much faith. <laughs> well, let's, let's hope so. Alex really hasn't had a story this season. No, it really it's, doesn't feel like she's had much to I mean, do. she's, she's kind of tied to Kelly, but I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I guess she had some of a story at the very beginning when Kara was in the Phantom Zone and she was the big sister trying to get Kara out, but... Yeah, was... yeah. since Kara's gotten out of the Phantom Zone, it just feels like I don't know what's what's up with Alex, really. 
she's just kind of there doing stuff. Uh, <laughs> so maybe, may, hopefully, uh, later on, we'll, we'll get to see more Alex. Uh, Mark sent us an email to say, quote, Hey, ladies, so the Rubik's Cubes are finally upon us. <laughs> I have to say the glowing red shards definitely looked pricier than the sacred totems of the uh, Anasazi. Is that correctly uh, how, pronounced I, correctly? I think so, yeah. The Anasazi that legends seem to have pulled out of the clearance bin at Claire's. Beyond (laughs) beyond that and being glad that the episode was about Carr and included a dragon, I only have a few observations. Number one, Carr's failure of the test of courage. Is it going to be the same test for her every week for each new artifact? Or will we each bring a new flashback from an old episode that until now, you couldn't have convinced me that the show current <laughs> showrunners have ever watched? And is Kara going to lose every week to build more suspense? That's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I hope not. I hope she's not continually failing uh, all throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and I also wonder... Is it going to be Supergirl, though, that has to do the test every week? Hmm. Cause, oh, cause, that's a good cause question. Because did, didn't it say, like, the reason that that happened was, like, the slingshot was broken in two, and it was the person who basically broke it that had to go through the gauntlet? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's why she had to do it all by herself without, you know, friends' assistance. So maybe Vita said. So maybe other characters have to go th- through it. No, I don't want that. <laughs> and and they just they just all fail. I would rather it be Supergirl, but now I'm wondering, does it necessarily always have to be Supergirl according Ooh. to the rules that they set up? I don't know. Uh, Mark's number two, uh, second point. Uh, do you think that they still have the full set for Cars Loft at this point in the filming? Or are we down to just the couch and that <laughs> that wall? Possibly <laughs> so they could build out Alex and Kelly's apartment. Uh, this is a good. That's a good theory. Because right now it seems like all they have is the couch and it feels like a production of our town. <laughs> uh, Mark's third point. Car and Lena on the couch at the end of the episode. Granted, they were spaced at opposite ends to serve as an excuse for the producers to claim they weren't trolling certain fans. But still, I suppose they're going with the idea that Alex should be alongside Kelly now instead of hanging out at Cara's. But that's still a slap, uh, uh, that's still a slap on the sisterhood that the show historically featured. Yeah, it's... Uh, I... Mm. I, I could maybe buy it that Alex and Kelly need to spend more time with each other, but like Car and uh, Car and Alex can still have sister couch time. I don't understand why they couldn't. We, we get so many Car and Alex couch scenes. I'm okay if we get a, a Car and Lena couch scene. I liked it. I'm okay with mixing it up. <laughs> um, and Mark says uh, for uh, his uh, fourth point, the producer said in an interview that we will eventually find out what Car's test of courage actually was. Oh, okay, so we oh, will. Okay, know. thank God. So, <laughs> what do you all think it is? My theory is this: as I remember the pilot. Carl was on a date with a guy who had already excused himself to secretly caveat a super hearing to go call his plan B girl. So I think that Carl's real test of courage is to confront him for dissing her and being a jerk before she takes off to save the plane. (laughs) Why they've chosen now to go back to a point from the pilot that absolutely no one has ever asked about is beyond me, unquote. You know what? I would be into that if Carl had to like go up to that guy and just really stick it to him. I, I think that would be a great, uh, courageous thing. Because it was really uncool. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, uh, a listener with an uh, email name of non-existent, so that's mysterious. I like that. <laughs> Wrote in to share some thoughts. This is what non-existent had to say. 
<laughs> I feel like I should read it in like a mysterious voice. I think um, he totally should. <laughs> hey, ladies. <laughs> so, so mysterious. Uh, th- this is my first time writing in. However, I found <laughs> I found you guys in season four and fell in love with your funny commentary and silly banter. Were we funny and silly in season four? It was the funniest, silliest season. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that uh, non-existent had that experience. But I was trying to remember, like, what what did we laugh about? Maybe maybe the leg stuff. I feel like probably probably yeah. yeah. I'm sure we had some we had some great jokes and we had we had some good ones in season four. I'm sure. Uh, Supergirl Radio introduced me to the MPU or the Morgan Podcast Universe, <laughs> <laughs> and I actually started watching Legends of Tomorrow because of the podcast. Oh, nice. that's really exciting! Um, I thought that this episode of Supergirl was probably the first good episode in a long while where the characters were actually acting like themselves. The weird witch lady kind of reminded uh, someone you would meet in a safe way parking lot and she would try to sell you her essential oil brands <laughs> <laughs> but it's obvious that she just put her brand sticker on top of the store bought one <laughs> i feel like vita was really delivering that kind of energy so i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate that really good description of her <laughs> um i thought the stuff with william came out of nowhere but he did mention getting back on the horse <laughs> which i took as a confirmation that he is comet I still haven't given up. I appreciate Uh, that. Speaking of getting back on the horse, my theory for the reason that we don't see William's girlfriend is because she's actually a horse and William doesn't want anyone to know because that without him as William, because that will out him as William, the super horse. Wow. I mean, uh, I love it. Can a horse bake like that though? That's my question. (laughs) Can a horse bake like an angel? Well, I guess we'll find out. Um, I love the way, uh, I love that they went back to the pilot episode, but seeing that behind the scenes photos of the actual pilot and then this episode really showed how much better the camera quality budget was. It's brutal. Um, anyway, I thought this episode was hilarious, but I'm not getting my hopes up for the rest of the season because for a show all about hope, it's really good at crushing mine. <laughs> 8.3 out of 10. Thank you, ladies, for doing what you do. You make those boring work days so much brighter, and I hope would have and and I probably would have quit the show by now if it weren't for that darn hope voice. <laughs> and then two emoji hearts. <laughs> or, as, or as hope would say, emoji heart, emoji heart. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. I'm glad you could pull it's that It's been out. a while. Okay. I miss hope so much. I, that's, the, that's the one. If I could take one thing from season five and bring it into our current season, and it would really only be one thing, it would be hope. I miss hope. <laughs> um yeah so uh i think uh and anthony i'm sorry i can't find the the tweet that you sent us but uh, i did find jen's uh at jen underscore mcf3 says papa bear jean saying how great it was watching car and alex grow into strong women brought tears to my eyes on the topic of a car failing her gauntlet did she need to have the courage to let alex's plane crash and the courage to possibly live without her sister um so yeah so some people are saying that Maybe car should let him crash. Just let that whole the whole plane full of people crash. I how is that courageous though? <laughs> like, why would that be courageous? I guess for Nixley when she was supposed to kill her brother, she needed that courage to be vulnerable with him, like to tell her how she felt about him. 
Maybe but she should have. But she never the, killed as him. As the plane was crashing, maybe she should have, as she was like holding it up, she should have been like, Alex, you're a great big sister. And I just want you to know that <laughs> or something <laughs> like you are the best. Alex is like, please just save the plane. Uh, we could talk about this later. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that's not not it. Uh, so uh, Nicole, though, in the chat said, what if the hope totem is tabletop hope? <gasps> Gasp. I mean, and it, it's it's Supergirl's ultimate battle. <laughs> and I think they mentioned that like the the totem had uh, cultural inf- uh, influence, like it had been part <laughs> of the culture. I mean, it, it has influenced our I culture mean, here on Supergirl Radio. It is certainly part of our culture. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think that is very possible. Well, um, uh. Anthony, if you find your tweet before the end of the live stream, we'll read it on the live stream. Uh, but let <laughs> <Ticking> us clock. <laughs> let us know. You have until the no end pressure. of the live stream to get that tweet in. Uh, but uh, for right now, though, I think we need uh, to make yeah. some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. All right, everybody in the chat can play too, and we'll bring uh, Dr. Nicole back on for some snap judgments. And uh, so, uh, Morgan, if you will do the honors. Of course. Um, So our first set of snap judgments are from uh, at Kaya underscore Matsui. Would you rather have the courage to be emotionally vulnerable to people or the courage to enter a burning building without thinking? Uh, uh, Dr. Nicole, what is your choice? I think I want to be emotionally vulnerable because it, it might feel like I'm dying, but I won't actually be dying. It's <laughs> a burning building. Yeah, I'm going to choose that emotional vulnerability because um, I don't want to run into a burning building is the thing. <laughs> uh, call me crazy, but I'd rather just be like, listen, I think we need to talk about our feelings. Like that <laughs> seems less risky to me, <laughs> which is a very uh, courageous thing to say. <laughs> Well, since I'm not a cold, uh, cold-hearted uh, uh, witch, I guess um, I think I'm going to have to choose the uh, courage to enter a burning building without thinking, because I think I'm already, for the most part, uh, emotionally vulnerable. I I tend to to cry a lot uh, with people when I get very emotional when I'm talking about something that's very impactful for me. So I do tend to tear up. So <laughs> I don't think I have uh, trouble with emotional vulnerability. So I guess I would have to give uh, entering a burning building without thinking a shot. Uh, hopefully that means that I have the courage, but I'm. But if you have the courage, you could you just have, be right. But do running you have, in you unprotected, though. Do you have exactly. abilities? Do you have ability? They didn't say that. <laughs> no, yeah. and and there's no guarantee that you you won't be like because you could be like them in the episode this week is that they have all the courage, but they're putting <laughs> themselves in danger. You know what? I'm just gonna take a shot. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it. Maybe I'm gonna go in there and save somebody. I'm just <laughs> I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm gonna save somebody from a burning building, and maybe I'll die in the process. But you know what? It'd be a great story. I'll be into it. That's You'll very courageous. Yeah, I mean, you could find out that you too have a have a, have a bloodline of of witches, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I'll just I'll just uh, lean into that. Sure. Uh, okay. Would you rather be a Kryptonian witch or a fifth dimensional imp? Do I get to go first? Yeah, yeah Nicole, go, you go, go first. Fifth yeah, dimensional, you. fifth dimensional imp for sure. They seem really fun. 
Uh, I'm also going to go fifth dimensional imp mostly for the outfits. I got to say, I was really vibing with what Nixley was wearing. <laughs> if I can get one of those, like, get, give me that. <laughs> Uh, the only downside to the fifth dimensional imp is that you do have the weakness of getting tricked into saying your name backwards. And that does send you back. But fifth dimensional imps are a lot more fun. Kryptonian witches are like the, the world destroying. They're real, they're real downers. So I, I guess I'm going to go fifth dimensional imp just because they're, they're, they're quirkier and happier and fun. Yeah, they're a little bit more of a party, I think. <laughs> a little bit more of a party vibe. Okay. What was your favorite? The giant cat or the new dragon? Dr. Nicole. Was it a new dragon? It was a reemergence of Spike, right? I think it was a little different. Because Spike was an actual, like, like lizard Komodo who, dragon, right? Oh, that's true. Or, who belonged to that little girl. I think, I think this unless guy was they took that Unless they took that same uh, Spike the Dragon from that little girl. Spike. And that woman is just like walking mm. around with it in the museum. Spike, what are you doing here? Maybe that's why he was so angry. He was like, I've mm. been stolen. <laughs> <laughs> They've taken me for research. Why won't anyone listen to me? I think it was a different I think uh, so. iguana. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a different. Okay. Well, if I can't, if I can't know it was Spike, who <laughs> I feel like I've made an emotional attachment to, I'm going to go with the, the cat. Yeah, I feel like I have to go with the cat or else it would be a betrayal to Beaker um, oh. and Bunsen. So I got to go cat. <laughs> I'm going to go cat. I, lo I love dragons, but that giant cat with the heat vision, though, that was that was pretty awesome. Okay, our next set of snap judgments are from at I am no guitar hero, possessed brainy or overeager space dad. Nicole. What is this like who we... I guess who, who you like, who you like, <laughs> yeah. or yeah, uh, yeah, let's yeah. do it that way. Who would you rather hang out with? Oh, definitely super positive space dad. Like <laughs> I would hire David Harewood to hang out with me for even an hour just to like hype me up all day long. That'd be yeah, awesome. me too. Like, and I would want him to just hang out with me while I'm doing something that's like not important at all. Like I'm like folding laundry and he's like, you're doing so good. You put that off for three weeks, but now you're doing it. And I'm like, I am doing it. It was hard. And like, that's, that's the kind of energy I want in my life. <laughs> I'm going uh, possessed brainy. I would have so much fun with that. I, I would have, I would just sit down and have conversations with possessed brainy. Just ask him all kinds of questions. And he, how he would respond i would be into that okay our next snap judgment would you rather a the show forgets to tell us why Kara failed her test season six version of space dad's terrible secret but obviously a plot hole or b we find out later in the season but it is an underwhelming illogical or blah reason nicole what are you thinking i think b is an entirely possible option <laughs> so i i think i'd just rather not know and just move on like i don't know just let it remain a mystery just kind of percolate in it um oh that's tough because being underwhelming it does seem very possible on the other hand if i never find out it could be anything like jean's terrible secret <laughs> um which we you know which we know is terrible and shocking. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go never find out. <laughs> yeah. I think I would be really mad by the end if we did find out and it was underwhelming, illogical or blah. So I would rather just, you know, just move on, forget it. And I'll just be like, Oh, the show forgot about it. So I think that would be my preferred uh, outcome. 
Okay. Better reoccurring side character, Spike the Dragon or Brian the Alien. Note, by the way, I would love to see Brian show up once more, maybe busking outside the Alex (laughs) Kelly wedding ceremony. Yeah, I think, didn't you guys have this debate like many episodes ago where like, what happened to Brian? He was like, no, he was always just kind of around and then. We never heard from him again. I think Brian. Brian's in the clink, honestly. <laughs> he's, he's definitely in the clink. He was also more of a a, a Sanders shipper. So I don't yeah. know what he sh- would he show up at the Alex and Kelly wedding. I don't maybe know. he would. Maybe he would show up, but to like uh, that that part where it's like if if anyone has any, you know. <laughs> yes, that's what I want. Forever hold your peace, and Brian's like I object. <laughs> and then he he has a printout of his Sanders fan fiction. It's like <laughs> several reams of paper, and he is like in this a in this coffee shop AU, and there's like no one wants to hear about your fan fiction, Brian. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> that is the exact scenario. I want that scenario. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Spike the Dragon. I love Brian, but Spike the Dragon is the best. I feel like I got to go Brian just out of loyalty. Like I, I miss him. What's up? What's he up to? Uh, maybe we'll find out. Probably never. <laughs> so, <laughs> our next set of snap judgments are from Mark. Um, which one of these two ridiculous, unnecessary, and totally unwanted plots would you want to see happen between now and the end of the season, given that one of them has to happen? So choosing one because the other is worse is totally fair. Okay. So <laughs> this is a lot. Mark went into like a total Anna territory. Total Anna um, yeah. So let's strap in. Here's <laughs> plot A. Kara and Alex get into a fight over a totally stupid misunderstanding and refuse to speak to each other for the rest of the series the plot only resolves in the finale when circumstances force them to work together but even then the most we get is some half smiles from one to the other rather than a true reconciliation and the series ends with their sisterhood in an unsettled ambiguous state or or b with six episodes to go, a pod crash lands in the National <laughs> City. No, I already don't like it. <laughs> and in it is Kara's 10-year-old cousin, Oliver L. No. Sent to her <laughs> uh, by her unknown uncle, Borel, from Argo City for her to take care of because the aunt and uncle are going on a kidless vacation. For the rest of the series, Kara has to juggle tracking down Nixley and fighting any other baddies that pop up with babysitting a tween who is all about getting into child mischief with his superpowers and endlessly quoting his new favorite earth show teen titans go okay option b <laughs> took a turn that sounds really fun like i'm <laughs> i'm into it they're watching teen titans go cars getting to babysit somebody i would be into that so i guess if if we're choosing the one that we don't want uh we're no choosing one the one that we want that we, we have do to, want yeah, to that see. we pick yeah. Uh, B all the way for me. I uh car has to juggle tracking down Nixley and fighting out the baddies that pop up with a babysitting a tween. Yes, 100 <laughs> I'm picking that one. I'll deal with the with the pod if I have to, if it gets me Kara babysitting a tween while she's fighting baddies. There's an extra bonus for B. It's that if the parents decide to never come back for the kid, then car then guess what? Alex finally gets to adopt. So <laughs> I'm going B too. <laughs> Yeah, A is horrible. It also sounds like just a worse version of what actually happened between Kara and Lena, except it would be 
And like in season five, like if season five had just ended, that would have been what had happened between them. Essentially. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely be, it sounds like a kid fic. I would read it. I, like I don't, fun. I don't like the Oliver L though. Is that a reference to Oliver queen? It's gotta be. It's it does. Be. It does it take it down a little bit, but uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just move on and ignore <laughs> Okay. New Rachel, uh, with, at Rachel joy 23 sent us, um, a snap judgment. Brainy possessed by the spider alien in season five or Brainy possessed by Vita in this week's episode, The Gauntlet. Nicole, what do you think? Wait, remind me the spider. What was the spider in season five? There was like a spider lady in one of the episodes. Oh. Do you remember? And it like sort of like took him over. Was that season five? Apparently. Oh God. <laughs> that she I had think- the tattoos, right? That's- yes. Okay. That does oh. feel like much longer. That had to have ago. been longer ago, I feel like it was right? Season four, but maybe I don't know. Season but, five, but felt season forever. five was legitimately a long time ago now. Yes, um, that's true. Yeah, no, I'm gonna go uh, Vita. Vita possessed Brainy. That's a lot of hijinks and shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, Vita possessed Brainy. That's way more fun. I like when Vita like touched the two things like that are that's on his outfit and are like, are these the nipples? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I like the chaotic energy of Vita possessed Brainy. Okay. And I just before we move on, uh, Mark clarified that the Oliver L was a reference to cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch who just like <laughs> showed up and kind of took over the show. Uh, so thank you for that clarification. Ah, okay. So um, our next snap judgment is from Emma. Uh, if you were a superhero supervillain, who would you rather have as your sidekick? Esme or Hope? A tabletop version or e-version? Your choice. <laughs> Hope, helpfully obliging people in slaver. Or eliminator if the person is Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely would try to kill a Supergirl. So do we want an adorable alien child who believes in guardian angels as our sidekick, or do we want a murderous tabletop AI? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go with a murderous tabletop AI. I prefer the, the tabletop form of hope. Yes. Yeah. I, I also will agree. A uh, tabletop version of uh, hope the AI and definitely, even if she's murderous, you know, like she's, she's going to get stuff done. I think. I mean, I'm clearly picking Hope. There was never any question. Uh, <laughs> but I like tabletop version, too, because I feel like she's more portable. Like, you could put her in a mm-hmm. bag yeah. and bring her out. She'll destroy your enemies. Then you put her back in the bag. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's simple. Plus, you could probably, like, do home automation and, like, control your whole home. You're like, oh, yeah. Hope, it's a little hot in here. And she's like, I will lower the temperature and kill Supergirl. <laughs> like, cool. I only asked for one of those things. So the other's a bonus. <laughs> Okay, who was a better Danvers sister mentor? Cat Grant to Cara Supergirl or Jean to Alex? Ooh, I feel, I mean, but Jean's also been a mentor to Cara. So he's doing like yeah. double duty and he's always been around. I love Cat, but I, I think Space Dad has been the better. He's been an actual father figure. He, yeah. Rebecca, what do you think? I want to say Cat, but really, did Cat mentor Kara at all? Like, Cat <laughs> left and Kara never goes to work. I don't think Cat really did her job. She, very she mentored Kara well. just a little bit better than Kara mentored Nia. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably going to say Jean and Alex on this one. 
Yeah, I got to go with that. I got to go with Space Dad. You know, he's still around. He didn't go like flaunt off somewhere else. He's still involved in their lives. And gosh, he's so proud of them. So (laughs) (laughs) got to go Space Dad. Um, Okay. Who would you want as your fairy godparent? Mixie, Nixley, or Witchelina? Oh, man. Yeah, this is a tough one. I haven't seen Witchelina in full. I I can't. (laughs) I can't make the decision. Also, I need her to hold on to her scientific side. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick Nixley. Like, just because I feel like the outfits would be really good. Mm, they would like, be so, so good. So many good jackets. <laughs> That's what, yeah. I, I'm going to go, hmm, it's tough to ever vote against Lena. And by the time she gets to her full witch powers and she's got those peasant skirts going, it's going to be, it's going to be on. But right now (laughs) in our journey, I think I'm going to go Mixie because I feel like he's going to be like mischievous. Like he's going to like grant your wish, but in like a really fun way that might end up being eventually unpleasant, but will start as fun. So I'm going to, and he's a little bit less like um, a little bit less crazy than Nixley is right now. He's a little bit more fun. He's going to sing you a song of exposition. I like it. Yeah. Mixie, I think is going to actually try to do something for you. Whereas Nixley is just going to try to take over the world. So I don't think she's going to really focus on you. I think she's going to (laughs) be real selfish in that regard. So I'm going to go Mixie on that one. Okay. So our last set of snap judgments are from Anna. Um, So first off, we start with a note from Anna. She said, I have four snaps because this episode was so good. Snap number four is my favorite of them. Oh, I can't wait to see that in mind as we get down. Okay. Number one, (laughs) let's let's all get ready. Um, (laughs) Who would you rather have as a partner for a major project for your job? Nixley's assistant, Mitch, who also doubles as a therapist, or the scientist, Dr. Lar, who will attack any man who dares not give you grant money? Mm. I think this is a good question for Nicole. <laughs> this, is, this is a clear winner for me. I want an aggressive uh, science mind on my team, so I'm going Dr. Lar all the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to go Mitch, because sometimes I'm having a tough day. I just want somebody to be like, let's just get into what this is really about. And like, <laughs> Mitch is like, did you ever consider that it's your inner child that is hurting? And Nixley was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go Mitch. <laughs> I, I'm i going to go uh, Dr. Lara on this one because I need people around me who are going to get stuff done. And I feel like she <laughs> probably would go after people until stuff got done. So Dr. Lara for me. Okay, number two. What part of the episode did I, Anna, love the most? Okay, Nixley's- we're putting ourselves in Anna's shoes. Okay, so now we are Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Nixley's speech to her brother, where she cried over her feelings about his betrayal, or Dr. Lara finding the courage to attack multiple men and start a dangerous lightning storm, <laughs> or the look on Kara's face each time she was told she failed the courage test. Oh. <laughs> which one of these is the most i I was gonna say nixley because that was really dramatic but then she talked about Kara's disappointed face and how like (laughs) terrible she felt about herself so i'm gonna say that that really fed anna in those moments where Kara was being (laughs) sad at her failure yeah this is a tough one because i think it's got to be between nixley and Kara, but I'm going to give it a little bonus points to Nixley because of the absolute drama of that moment. Not just the emotional speech, but that 
outfit. It says <laughs> drama all the way. I think I think Anna's going with like a, a touch more drama to her An- to her tragedy. <laughs> Anna does love a betrayal. She does love a good betrayal. <laughs> so, we know well, Rebecca and I know that well. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Nixley and the uh, betrayal there. Okay, number three. What would you What would you rather have to do? Face an emotionally grueling gauntlet's test of courage in order to save the world. Or have flashbacks to being shot anytime your boss gives you a work assignment. Uh, that one's tough. <laughs> what was the first one again? Okay. Uh, would you rather face an emotionally grueling gauntlet test of courage in order to save the world? Or have flashbacks of being shot anytime your boss gives you a work assignment? I get a lot of assignments, so <laughs> I guess I'll just continue. I mean, science isn't an emotionally grueling journey every day, so that seems like just par for the course. Let's do, let's do the first one. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm running that gauntlet. I don't have time to be like flashing back to getting shot. Like every time I have to do something at work, I'll just I'll never get anything done. It's having just. To do the gauntlet test to save the world, though, sounds like a lot of responsibility. It is, yes. That I don't know that I want to have. <laughs> so I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to suck it up. I'll just have the, the flashbacks every time. I do have a lot of things to do. Uh, but I'll just I'll just work through it. That way, at least, I'm only having to deal with myself, and I'm not having to save the world. So I, th- I think uh, I'm going to be lazy on this one. Nice. Okay. So now there's a disclaimer for snap number four. Always a good sign. Uh, Anna says, uh, disclaimer for snap number four. This snap is not meant to hurt or displease anyone who does not like the idea of romantic Kara and Lena. I just like asking angsty snaps. And the romance can be angsty. Okay. Four. Getting right in. What was the most likely way Kara could have passed the courage test? Kara needed to let Alex die and lose the sister she has always loved, relied on, and trusted, and face the heart and face the overbearing pain of being truly alone and vulnerable. Or Kara had to turn to her date before she saves the plane and admit to herself, him, and the gauntlet that she only goes on dates with men to please others, and she needs to embrace who she actually wants, Lena. Now. I have I have one small critique of this snap judgment. <laughs> solid, Anna, solid. At the time, she didn't know Lena. Uh, so well, it would truly be a, a soulmate situation if she's mm. like, listen, there's going to be this rich girl and she's going to come and she's just going to like change everything. But I've got like a year and a half for that to happen. <laughs> but you're still not doing it for me. <laughs> but, I want to... We... Yeah. I think the last time I was on here did a super corp or agent corp snap judgment. <laughs> we <laughs> so, might have. So this keeps happening when I'm on, on snap judgments. Um, do I want to see Alex traumatized in no way? Um, do I have any reservations about romantic entanglements between Car and Linga? No, like live your life. So <laughs> I'm going with scenario two. Yeah. I don't want to see anything bad happen to Alex. And I, I like the idea of Car and Lena together. This would be a, a little bit of a twist considering that she didn't know Lena. But I mean, if she had maybe bumped into her in a coffee shop and was like, ooh, who's that? Yeah, I, I buy it. So I'm going scenario two as well. <laughs> well, but the question is what the what's the most likely oh what was mo- what was most I'm likely the way car could have passed the courage test <laughs> i'm still going to because i don't want alex to die but well i mean i don't either but car like that's 
I mean, losing Alex would make her the most vulnerable, I think. Um, so I might say number one, just because she would be uh, in her mind truly alone and she would have had to lose the person who uh, meant the most to her uh, over her course of the, the time on Earth. So what was the most likely? That, I don't know why I'm thinking about this so hard. <laughs> it's, a it's a tough one. It's a real thinker that Anna's laid out before us. <laughs> but I, I think that would really make a car very vulnerable. So I'm, That's I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm the most vulnerable, I guess. So I'm, I'm going to go with uh, option number one. Okay. Is it nice. vulnerable in a good way or in a bad way? That's, that's another I, question. I think it could be either. I think they just have to be vulnerable. Hmm. So make of that <laughs> what you will. Cause vulnerable for Nixley was a negative. Yeah. It was like her. Yeah. She, she was honest with her brother, right? Well, she was, but I guess it was, yeah, I guess it was a more positive thing for her. Because she yeah, stabbed like she him. got out her feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it could go either way. Um, so make of that a snap judgment, what <laughs> you will. <laughs> thank you to everybody who sent in uh, snap judgments because we had a lot this week. Um, and thank you to Dr. Nicole Green for playing along. And uh, we'll be kicking you out of the live stream. Uh, but uh, thank you for being with us uh, tonight. And uh, we will uh, be right back. No judgments on your snap judgments. Boy, that last snap, snap judgment. So difficult. Yeah, uh, that was a puzzler. That was a thinker, really. Really, really, uh, really hard to think about. Okay, uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the Supergirl Season 6 episode review titled The Gauntlet. Uh, but before we go, we need to get to some uh, Supergirl radio and some DC plugs so that you will know uh, kind of how to keep in touch with if us. If you would like to contact Supergirl radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail you can call us at 678-718-7252 you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter and instagram all at supergirl radio you can listen to us on apple Podcasts, stitcher iHeartRadio, google Podcasts, radio public Podchaser, and spotify where we also have a spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the cw supergirl tv series we are listed on dc's fan page which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc fans if you like what we do we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl Radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you're in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio, Superman and Lois Radio, The Flash Podcast, and Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, Black Lightning Podcast, Bad Woman Podcast 2, and Titans and Doom Patrol Podcast just for you, Justice League Dark Podcast, Green Lantern Podcast, Stargirl Podcast, Strange Adventures Podcast, and finally my favorite of the bunch, DCTV After Dark, where you're allowed to say and speaking of the DC TV podcast T public store, we've got Lena Luther mugs in the store. Um, we have yet to get Lena Luther 
witchy woman mugs. <laughs> but I mean, I'm throwing it out there into the universe. Lena, peasant skirt, like scarves, so many scarves, maybe, <laughs> maybe a crystal ball in her hand. It just says witchy woman over it. Listen, it's, it's spooky season and I would wear that is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, we we could uh, make that ourselves and put it up in the Ooh. tea public store. So uh, put down all your ideas for witchy Lena designs and we will uh, try to implement them. Um, and uh, we would like to thank our legion of super sponsors, who are supporting Supergirl Radio through our Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Grout, Yvonne, Quinn, Jessica, Nicola, Leslie, Susan, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Sheree, Donna, Nicole, Lizeth, Deb, Ziwang, Xiao, and Anna. So thank you all for uh, supporting the podcast in the ways that you do. Uh, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash Radio. We have uh, four monthly levels if you would uh, like to support us. And uh, we just give you extra bonus stuff from Supergirl Radio. Uh, we need to do our next um, uh, quarterly review, I think is coming oh, yeah. up. Uh, and I may force Morgan to watch a, a Green Lantern animated film. Or, no. or, or maybe the Green Lantern live action film. Either way, it's going to be Green Lantern related. So I, I might be okay with the Green Lantern live action film because A, I'm going to know it's bad. And B, I do love Ryan Reynolds, but my girl Blake Lively is in that movie. And I, I at one point when it was released, I was like, I need to go see that support Blake Lively, Gossip Girl forever. <laughs> but then I was like, Nah, I'm okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I will be coming into it without having seen it before. Um, oh, okay. But I feel like I feel like I did out myself on the Patreon as being not that into Green Lantern. <laughs> so. so from from here on out with the Patreon, it's just gonna be Green Lantern all the time. Just, just Green really, Lantern Radio. <laughs> just to re really torment Morgan uh, about her uh, just not being into Green Lantern all that much. Maybe he'll convince me. Maybe I'll watch something and be like, finally, I get Green Lantern. Like I've, un <laughs> I've unlocked it. <laughs> but no, I don't care for Green Lantern. <laughs> I'm gonna get some angry emails or like, excuse me. Uh, as a reminder, we're still running our flat Supergirl photography contest. So to enter, you download and print the flat Supergirl image, which you can find in the video description of this live stream in the show notes of the audio podcast or at the right-hand side of supergirlradio.com. Then you cut out flat Supergirl and you attach her with tape or glue to a popsicle stick, a pen or a pencil. And now here's where your imagination, your creativity can go wild. We just need you to take a creative picture with Flat Supergirl. Now it can be a selfie, but it doesn't have to be. It's a great season for a Flat Supergirl picture because there's so many fun fall activities for you to do. Uh, do you have a local pumpkin patch? Do you want to pick some apples with Flat Supergirl? Did you already pick some apples? Do you want to bake a pie? Do you think that Flat Supergirl can help you bake that pie? She knows <laughs> lots of recipes. She knows lots of recipes. Ask her. Ask her. She'll whisper them to you. Um, it's going to turn out to be like a creepy Annabelle situation with your Flat Supergirl. And I'm, I'm sorry if your Flat Supergirl is haunted. Um, we, our disclaimer is that that is not our responsibility. And we're sorry <laughs> about that. Okay. Sorry. If your flat Supergirl is haunted, a Supergirl radio takes no responsibility. But if she's not haunted, <laughs> take pictures with her <laughs> and make sure that you share them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use and tag at Supergirl radio and use the hashtag Supergirl adventures. Good luck to you. <laughs>
I didn't think my Supergirl, uh, my flat Supergirl <laughs> was ha- uh, uh, haunted, but now I need to you be careful. You just never know. You just now, never know. Now I need to be concerned about it. So if, uh, if you start hearing her whispering things to you, I think that's when you need to start being oh, concerned. That's that's that's, that's a bad sign. Point. Okay. All right. So good to know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I guess I'm going to put my stuff up. Uh, And you can also (laughs) subscribe to my personal YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I'm still going through the uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, top critics Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice reviews. Uh, so this next week, this upcoming Sunday, uh, we're going to be going through, we, we actually won't be going through a review because when I went to revisit the review, I clicked on it and it said, uh, it had a, like a press release kind of a thing on there that said that the reviewer, uh, actually got fired from that outlet because he plagiarized other people's work. Um, so just oh, no. as a reminder, that is a top critic from Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that and the implications of those kinds of things. So we won't actually have a review to review, uh, but uh, that was an interesting develop for me. So it's a good thing that I waited uh, five years to do this, uh, <laughs> to do this, <laughs> this series project. so I could have this as a good example. Uh, so that's really interesting. Uh, so we're, we're going to be looking at that disgraced reviewer from the Star Tribune who 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 did write. I did have a, a little bit of, um, let's see, I wrote down, he wrote uh, some film reviews using the same unique language of writers of other publications without a, a, a attribution. So that is uh, that is a thing Yikes. that happened. Uh, so not not great when you're an actual reviewer. Uh, so that's the kind of quality you're getting from Rotten Tomatoes. Why would you why would you plagiarize a film review? It's your opinion. You don't have an opinion. <laughs> I, I guess not. I guess you just got to take that quick. There's not, a, there's not a right and wrong there. Like, what did you think of the movie? I I don't know. Don't ask me. But somehow they, they got <laughs> he he that person forgot to hand in the assignment and was just like copy paste. <laughs> Yeah, so that is uh, that's interesting how they got this person got labeled a top critic on Rotten Tomatoes. Also on Friday, October first at seven p.m. Eastern, uh, I'll be finishing up a live audio commentary of Zack Snyder's Justice League, where you'll actually get to hear our opinions, uh, not stolen from other people, uh, but our opinions. Uh, so I'll be doing that with uh, Andy Bibak of the Flash Podcast and uh, the Doom uh, Doom Patrol Titans Podcast. Uh, that right here on the DC TV podcast YouTube channel, youtube.com slash DC TV podcast. Uh, we actually last week did audio commentary for chapters one through three uh, previously, and we'll be doing chapters four through six on October 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern. So just just to break it up, it's kind of a long movie. Uh, so we're going to break it up and uh, do the audio commentary that way. Cool. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we are going to be doing our uh, our season six wrap up before season seven starts in like a day or so. What? Uh, <laughs> season seven is starting in like three weeks, which is rude. It's so rude. Uh, I didn't even have a chance to miss Legends of Tomorrow. And (laughs) here it is. It's back again. Uh, But we we usually go through uh, the previous season and give it like a Harry Potter owl rating system. Something Supergirl would appreciate as they stole the Dementors from Harry (laughs) Potter and now 
uh, Supergirl and Nixley have sort of a Voldemort Harry thing going on. So clearly they're familiar with the books. Uh, <laughs> and so are we. So we're going to go through and uh, and give our, our rating system for the Legends of Tomorrow Season 6 uh, episode. So if you've been watching Legends or if you um, want to catch up before Season 7, you know, in the one hour you have between those seasons uh, might be a good catch-up episode to uh, to brush yourself up on the last season that you literally just stopped watching. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely keep an eye out for that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And as a word of advice, maybe think twice before you try and reason with a dragon. <laughs> I think the CW are just trying to win the time slot war with Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.